damn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Morning Dinner Podcast. It's your boy, Key, man. Chuck, what up? And today... Oh, actually, before we do that, I'm going to actually remember to do the intro. Let's go. Welcome to the Morning Dinner Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, hustlers, creatives, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Today, we have Adam Ivey. What up? Adam, you want to let the people know who you are and what you do? What's going on, guys? Adam Ivey, adamivey.com. I am a music producer, entrepreneur, marketing specialist who also has is passionate about uh, teaching other music creators how to brand themselves, build their businesses, and all that good stuff online. Sharing the wealth of knowledge. Knowledge. There we go. How, how, how long have you been doing all that for, man? Uh, so I've been, I've been producing music since 2006. Okay. Making a living at it since around 2009, 2010, which then led to YouTube, led to figuring out other businesses. Because if you can market yourself enough to make a living making beats for a living in the comfort of your pajama pants, That's you so could good. figure out how to market anything. Yeah. So yeah. My, you know, I, I didn't realize not to get right into it, but I didn't realize what I was doing was considered marketing for years Yeah. until people were like, how do you do your marketing? How, like, where did you go to school for marketing? I'm like, what are you talking about? I, it's crazy because yeah. I think, I think people don't understand that the new generation of people who were introduced to the internet and we came up with branding yourself, we, we were thrown into the thick of marketing because right. everything you did on the internet was your footprint to branding yourself and to kind of introducing the world to you. And cause I mean. Even going back to the MySpace days, man. You know, that's where marketing started. If <laughs> you, you think so? Yeah, yeah. Because if you didn't have a custom profile, people didn't take you seriously on MySpace. Damn, that's true. Yeah, I had, and then yeah, yeah, they have the, uh, the 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 music player with the uh, the song that auto plays at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. and then you had the, the yeah, you had to learn how to code low that's key. That's it. And then you'd have the background image, then you'd have the header <laughs> yep. image, and then you'd make sure that it scrolled properly. Right? Can we yeah. take a second to appreciate MySpace yeah, and what yeah, it did yeah. for the generation? Hey, I l- I learned a shit ton of coding from that. You, you know and what I, I mean? Both. I was like, yeah. damn. It's funny because I started making a living selling beats online through a website called SoundClick. It still exists. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you wanted yeah, SoundClick. Yeah. Yeah. You could still make a ton of money on there. I, I have personal friends who are still making five figures a month on SoundClick. <sighs> and actually, it's I would actually recommend producers get back on SoundClick because people have been playing it so long. Yeah. As like, oh, that's old. Like, no, there's still a lot of people out. And what I is just want- SoundClick again? It's just a site where you sell it's music? A, or It's essentially a platform like SoundCloud, mm-hmm. but more, I mean... Anybody can put music on there. I mean, there's every genre from jazz to hip hop to EDM, but music producers found it super helpful because you can do a custom page just like MySpace. It's very similar to the MySpace days where you can have a custom player, you can have a custom bunch of custom tables. I didn't know all this. Yeah. So, and the good thing is I learned to, I'm not going to say hack, but I learned to effectively market through the different promotional things that they offer. There was a, a time uh, where there was other companies selling promotion who would essentially, I don't want to say who would essentially boost, boost you on there a little bit, but however they did it, you would rank higher in the top 10. And for the longest time, the top 10, top 25 were the guys making money. Yeah. So that's how I started making money. Yeah, because because let, let's say you were like a local rapper or something, you yeah. would go on SoundClick, and he'd be the you, first would type, one. you would type hip-hop instrumentals, and then whoever was doing the most business or whatever, they'd get pushed to the top. Yeah. you go to the website, you you know, lease three beats for you know $100 oh, or something yeah. like that, yeah. So you were in the marketing game yeah, before forever, I, man. I didn't know uh, it was marketing. Really, that's crazy, yeah. yeah. Real quick, we, we might have to have you come up a little microphone just a little bit. Oh, yeah. There we no go. problem. There we go. Right right. You can actually move the mic towards you, too. <laughs> I mean, I can project it. my voice, too, but I just don't want to clip. 
Yeah, no, you're good. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> he did that. He said, <laughs> hey, bro, the, the, these are not thousand dollar microphones. You can't touch the. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no. man, it's crazy. SoundClick is a because I remember I used to I used to record music and back in the day SoundClick was the only website you re- that was really like a a good resource uh, for going and finding music and it wasn't even just for 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 producers because artists could upload their music and you could download on there too. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, mean th- th- this is before the time where you can actually use like uh, what's it called, Lime Links or like. You know, those websites where you could put your song on a server and then people can download it. Right, you know? right. Yeah, oh. like the direct download links yeah. and stuff. SoundClick. Mediafire. Mediafire yeah, yeah, and right. Hawkshare and all that. <laughs> Hawkshare, bro? Yes. Yeah. We're hitting he's the whole th- demographic. He's bringing it back. This yeah. should just be like an early 2000s episode. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so, so you said around 2006 you started your YouTube channel? No, so in 2006 I started. Oh, you started producing. producing right, yeah, right. so I'm not the type of kid who started producing when I was 16. Like, okay, I played trumpet in high school. Like I was a nerd. Like I didn't. I played nice. piano. My grandmother was an organist. My dad was a DJ. My mom was a violin player. Like I, I grew up with music, uh-huh. but I never had a passion. Like my passion all through high school because of my dad and my grand. Like were cars. I worked on cars. I've had, no lie, over 70 cars. Uh, I've owned 70 because oh, in high fuck. school I would flip them. I would Ooh. buy a car for $1,200. Yeah. Uh, so you've had that hustler mentality yeah, for, for a while. Now. I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. The hustler yeah. mentality. That's crazy. Well, What's I mean, been your, your uh, best flip? Um, if you don't mind. <laughs> so I don't have one best flip, but uh-huh. I will say this. I started with a 1993 Mazda MX-3 that I bought for $900. Okay. And I ended up with a twin turbo 300ZX that I paid like 16 grand for. Ooh. Wow. So I went from, from nine, like it, it's not an instant thing, but if you yeah. take 900 and then you flip it into 1700, yeah. you take the 17, you buy something for 16, spend a couple hundred dollars on detailing the interior wagon, like the basic stuff. But see, I could respect that so much because a lot of cats, you know, they say like, oh, Back in the day, you couldn't do stuff like that, but you were doing it was things easier like to that. do it. Back you know then. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I was no complaints. I started doing that when I was fifteen or sixteen, and I would try not to register the cars. I would just tell them like, "Oh, I bought it for my girlfriend. I don't want to put it in my name because oh, you know." Wow. And then I would just flip it. I would never legally own it. Right. I would oh. drive it around for a week or whatever. Now, is, the, is there is there a reason for that, or is that like a like a like a I would tax have to pay reason? taxes on it. Ah, smart. so you can tell them like uh, you don't have to get it registered, or you just be like, oh, they're gonna pay the registration. The thing is, there's a there's a window right now. It mm-hmm. might be forty eight hours. It might be a few days. Yeah. I don't remember what it was yeah. back then. But if I bought a vehicle on a Sunday or Saturday, well, the DMV is not open Sunday legally. I could drive it because I have a bill of sale. Mm. If I would be pulled over, which happened a couple times, I would have the title in my glove compartment and mm-hmm. i'd sign it before the cop got up to my window uh, i'd say oh officer i just bought this yesterday yeah and i would never i'd never date it and then he was like well there's no date on here hold i can write that here if you want me to like i just bought it yes you know like yeah yeah you know kind of plead ignorance a little bit but very nice yeah well the, the thing <laughs> is is if i bought a 900 dollars car or a twenty thousand dollar car and then i have to pay taxes and tag on everything yeah and then transfer fees yeah it gets a little harder to yeah. flip. Yeah, it's <laughs> much harder. It's a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, I was working at. I had so many jobs in high school. I worked at Best Buy. I worked at a tanning salon. I worked at East Bay in a shoe store called Rogan's Shoes. I worked all these different jobs. But growing up, I watched my dad hustle because my dad fractured his back in a car accident when I was an infant. Oh. So he was on disability and he needed to hustle to make extra money because even on disability, you didn't make much money. So right. he was. I'm not going to say li- limited by his mobility, like a, a commercial or something, but yeah. he had a Ford Bronco with a plow on it. So every winter we had five or six different apartment complexes uh, um, contracted and he would just make all these cash jobs. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'd watch him DJ. He was a DJ. 
uh, he'd DJ weddings and his parties and like uh, everything you could think of from hip hop to classic rock to polka. Like, so, know, so, so, so you would say you would say you he, he very well influenced the way you are today. Yeah, my, my, I mean, my whole family, my mom, mm-hmm. since I can remember, uh, has worked two or three jobs. We didn't grow up with any money. Yeah. So if you wanted, I, I remember to this day when I was in second grade, I used to, my parents would buy, uh, you know what kudos bars are like little granola bars. Mm. Anyway, they're like just a little granola bar. That's what they okay. are. So my parents would buy them from the grocery store on sale mm. or whatever. And I'd go to school and I'd sell them for 50 cents a piece. Nice. So yeah. my parents would be like, how are you coming home with money? <laughs> I'm like, well, I just, I've been selling these kudos bars. Yeah. Um, that's what I used to do with Mexican candy, bro. Bro. Because yeah. people would think you bought it in Mexico, but really there's just this like little yeah, corner. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Around, I like, around oh, the house. No, it no, was, no. I mean, we used to go to Mexico all the time and buy candy there. Yeah. But there was a, there was a lady who who opened her, who would import it from Mexico and they would, she, she would have it in, in her store. And then I would just take it to to, to the school, and bro. it was like, oh, you're buying all these ethnic candies, and I was selling for like a dollar, bro. That's I, I would sick. pay I would pay like four or five bucks for the. Oh bag, yeah, yeah, for everything. But yeah. then you just you'd make forty, fifty bucks off of it. You know what I mean? At the Dude. end of the day, that's I mean that's cra- like that reminds me when I, when I was real little, probably like first grade, second grade, we lived in this little apartment complex, and outside were landscaping rocks, these little white landscaping rocks. Well, I would find the smallest ones, yeah, and I would take them and I'd sell them to kids at school, say these are crystals. Damn. seriously yeah I'd be like these are these are crystals seriously and they were like teeny t- so they're like oh cool and i would sell them for like 50 well like whatever i don't remember my pricing structure yeah. back then. bro so so you were That's the original crazy. uh pet rock guy man <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't go that far but yeah yeah that was i mean that was a good time the thing is my parents didn't have any money they had enough yeah. to put food on our table we had more love than money yeah. you know we we had hand-me-down clothes and stuff but i'm the oldest of three so mm-hmm. i didn't get hand-me-down clothes i got the non-brand Kmart yeah you know mm-hmm. stuff and and my parents would cut my hair like I had a hair helmet up until the time I could afford to get my own haircut for the most part I'm not trying to talk down on my parents because I love them to death but yeah. when I was 12 and a half I took a paper route that I had for three three years in three years I missed four days and by the time I was done in that three and a half years I had acquired five different paper routes that like would butt up against mine. Mm-hmm. This kid would get too old and he'd get a real job. And then yeah. the guy would be like, Hey, do you want his route too? Sure. Yeah. At the end of that three and a half years, I had on Christmas day, I had 362 papers yeah. and I was making $385 a month Damn. as a 14 year old. Right. That's crazy. I'd, I'd, I'd like had, you learned it, all about territory. You learned about, uh, and then expanding well, work ethic. Really? Yeah. And then, I mean, 360 people on a Sunday for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. At Christmas time, I, I, I made like $500 in tips. Right. As a 13, wow. 14 year old. So I bought a Nintendo 64. I bought Tommy Hilfiger, everything, because that was the thing back then, although it almost is now again. Nautica, you know, Fat Farm. Like, I I started, it, it, it kind of sucked actually, because kids started thinking I was the rich kid. Yeah. And they didn't realize that I would go home yeah. and I had to have all the papers delivered within an hour and a half of getting home from school. That's why I did so poorly in school. Right. I was like a D, C, and F student. Um, because I didn't prioritize homework. I prioritized the hustle. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's been day one. Wow. I mean, no, I, have, I have to ask because yeah. somebody from some, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I've ever even read a newspaper about to be honest. How, how do you get involved with the paper trade of like actually being a, a paper boy of like delivering paper? Back then it was easy. They literally had advertisements in the paper. Want to make an extra $85 or like whatever uh, it was. Okay. And so looking for paper and then they would tell you yeah. kind of the territory. Yeah. Like uh, between Camp Phillips Road and Ross Abbey, like whatever the paper route area Did would be. Did you have be. to do that in the snow and all that too? Oh yeah. Every, yeah, oh, every day. Damn, every that's day, crazy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my dad uh, would help me when there was like a blizzard. 
he would have a little yeah. truck or whatever and, and he'd throw around. the papers That's around fine. he'd start at the end of the block i'd grab enough for the houses i'd run down the street delivering yeah. them because he's not gonna let me in and out of the car 50 times a, a block but um on average how long did a paper route take it got bigger and bigger and bigger. So when it first started, I could probably finish in 30 minutes, yeah. 45 minutes. And you then said like five routes. I had like four or five routes. Man. So it's so 30 minutes like per route. Uh, well no, that, I mean, it's all, it all depends on how the block is set up. Okay. Right. If you're right. on a cul-de-sac, yeah. it takes longer cause you've got to go down and then back. Right. If you're just going down a street, you go both sides down and you, it's kind of like being a UPS driver as yeah. a 13 year old, like which way is the most efficient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at the end, I think it took me about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on weather and all, all sorts of stuff. But And, and, and that they was would, once a week or was that? Every day. Every day. Seven days a week. Shh. They would drop off the papers in big bins. And yeah. if it was raining, snowing, you would have to bag them yourself. And they would drop off just this big stack of these really thin. You those, see yeah, them. Yeah, I remember yeah. those. So you would have to fold. My hands were constantly just covered in ink. And yeah. yeah. It was cool, though, because some of the people on my route, like one guy owned a least famous recipe chicken. If you know what that is, it's like a KFC type of deal. Uh -huh. And every every holiday, he'd give me like a stack of free coupons. So uh -huh. I'd ride my oh, bike there with nice. my buddies and we'd eat for free. I mean, the, the little things, you know, I was always right. on my bike. You know, that's that's uh, that was my life. I, you know, I took the bus to school like two times in my entire life. I fell asleep on a on a bus the second day of my second grade year and I woke up like in the middle of the country, like in the middle <laughs> country, not, not United yeah. States, but the middle of Wisconsin, rural Wisconsin yeah. to the bus driver being like, oh, what happened? Like <laughs> I was on the back sleeping yeah. and that scared me so much that it, I always walked or rode my bike to school up until I got my driver's license. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so Damn, why was it so far? In, like why was it in the middle of the country? The bus. It's rural Wisconsin, dude. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, some routes. So just to let people know, you're not from Vegas. You're from Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. I'm not from yeah. Vegas. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm from central Wisconsin originally. Now I live in Orlando, Florida for like uh, 10 years now. Oh, nice. Since like 2007. It it's okay. Mm. I mean, you, it, it, no matter where you live, you have to make the most of it. Yeah, yeah of course. Like, 100%. There's parts of Orlando that are just a toilet, and there's parts of Orlando that are pretentious. There's parts of Orlando that every, I need to every learn. Every city has it. Yeah, I need to learn Spanish to really get, you know, it's, it's, it's the type of thing where I love it because it's a melting pot, and there's so many different cultures, and it really helped me break out of maybe like a naive mindset when I was from Wisconsin, like where, you know, everybody's friendly and everyone knows each other, and it's just it, coming down to Orlando it not only hardened me a little bit, but I think my naivete yeah. helped me. Because when I first moved to Orlando, I moved to the hood. I was like the one of two white guys in an entire apartment complex. Yeah. Um, I Like two or three times, people tried to home invade my apartment wow. with my buddy. And like, like it, you kind of learn the ways of the world and how to operate. But at the same time, the lady that lived downstairs that sold drugs off the porch all day like she was super nice to me. She, yeah. she probably thought I was going to snitch on her if she wasn't, but she'd bring me fish dinners and chicken. Like I... That's the thing, though. When you Damn. move, when you move to somewhere <laughs> yeah. new, when you move to somewhere new, you don't know where you're gonna be in the hood. Oh, you learn right. you're in the hood after being there for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? Because when we moved to Vegas, like we were, on, we were on the ghetto side of Vegas, and then we learned that we were in the ghetto side. And then we moved somewhere that was a little less ghetto. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we ended up being in the most ghetto, and oh. now we're in the we're, now we're in the, in the least amount of ghetto. Yeah. But still, like it's it's a learning curve to learn a city when where the ghettos are at. I, you know, I I was wondering. I was gonna ask you about that. I, I thought it was a little redundant that your neighborhood has three sets of gates that you have to go through. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, this is nice as hell. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get a grappling hook to get up on the top of the uh, big ass houses around here. All no. right. So so I don't mean to cut you off. Of course but, not. But you you were on on this path of of of, of you you started producing music at 2006, 2006 right? Two thousand six. At, at, at what age and year did you start actually like using YouTube as a tool? 
I started my first YouTube channel in 2009. Okay. Just to try to connect with people because I didn't really know a whole lot of people in the music realm. Right. I was trying to get my name out there. I was super wet behind the ears. I had never really sold any music before. I mean, I did personally in Wisconsin a little bit when I first started making music. I moved to Orlando in 2007, not knowing anybody. I had never been to Florida before. Yeah. I moved in with a friend of a friend with $3,400 in my pocket that I made from selling uh, a motorcycle that I had. Um, had a 94 Nissan Altima and everything I could fit in it. That's all I brought to Orlando with me. And, you know, from getting down to Orlando, uh, you know, it really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, okay, there's a little bit more of a hustle mentality here and there's a market for beats and, and instrumentals and stuff. Yeah. I, I find it so funny now looking back I could have made just as big of an impact because I'm an introvert, dude. I do not go out. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Like mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm a nerd. Right. So I sit in front of computers all day. I learn marketing. I make beats. I, you know, I, I try to have fun with it. Cause, cause I think that's how I first heard about you. It, 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 it's it, YouTube. It, it wasn't in 2009, but it was definitely like, I want to say like 2000, maybe 16, 17. That's when okay. I first heard about you. And it, it might've been one of your videos that went viral. Um, I'm not sure which one, but that's how I first heard about you. Okay. And then, and then we connected through Instagram and I was like, Hey dude, you're just pretty tight. Yeah. Man. And then I started realizing that you, that you not only did music, but you did like mentoring courses. You did, uh, uh, your, your, your clothing line. You did, you did a whole bunch of things that it was, it was very geared towards, towards a hustle, a hustle state of mentality. You know what I mean? Where you yeah. weren't just doing one thing, but you were utilizing your brand and everything to kind of like, you know, use the internet to, to your advantage. Um, YouTube has changed my life. I'm going to put that out there first and foremost. If I would have never got on YouTube, I wouldn't be here in front of you guys. Really? Yeah. Really. Damn. I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars doing marketing jobs for corporate uh, corporations because of a uh, YouTube parody I did. Uh, if I wouldn't have done the red and yellow parody that went viral, like yeah. I would have, I wouldn't be here. Wow. You know, companies. What about that at, John Cena video? Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> Back when I was in shape. Hey, bro. Um, I mean, that, that took off too. Honestly, yeah. brands reach out to me brand because they, they see that I'm not afraid to kind of, step outside of the box. I'm yeah. not afraid to make a fool of myself mm-hmm. for the enjoyment of the viewer. You know, and, and when I first started on YouTube, there's something like, there's probably 30 or 40 videos that aren't, aren't public on YouTube anymore because mm-hmm. I tried so many different things. I tried vlogging. I tried a, a weekly like topical news show thing that flopped that right. didn't, didn't get any engagement. And I realized it's too vague. I need to do something that's very specific and, and for a reason with purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, parodies are fun. I love parodies. I started doing parodies because when I was growing up, I got made fun of so much because I was this little skinny nerd with a huge, hair, you know, head of hair. Yeah. And I'd get beat up and made fun of what I would go home and I'd listen to Weird Al. I'd listen to Adam Sandler CDs. I'd listen to, you know, uh, George Carlin, you know, albums and stuff like that. And having that sense of humor and, and being able to go home and laugh and have my brothers in my room and do kind of like funny shows where I would lip sync the, the routine that I could, because I knew it so much, mm-hmm. or I would like be silly and stupid to some weird Al song or something. And I make them laugh. That's why I started doing parodies because if I can make somebody laugh, if I can make somebody's day suck a little bit less and look like an idiot, I don't care. Right. Because that's going to bring somebody enjoyment. That's going to, I'm not going to say super deep and I'm like mother Teresa of YouTube or anything like that. But at the end of the day, if somebody was depressed and I've had people reach out to me and say, look, like I was super depressed. I hated my job. I worked at McDonald's and that red and yellow video or the other video that you put out or whatever, like that 
was hilarious. And so so would, would you say that your parody videos were the first step into you realizing how to give people value? Uh, yes and no, because okay. I did some beat making videos and the beat making videos did help in building the brand. Mm -hmm. It helped in getting traffic to my sound click, yeah. to my MySpace. And through that, it, it was a good, it was... It was a good vehicle to build my, my Adam Ivy brand as a music producer. And there's so many people that would subscribe to my channel for that. But then that was nothing compared to the people that would subscribe to the funny stuff. Mm. And then I, that's when I started understanding from a marketing side that emotional triggers are so important 100%. in whatever you're doing. If you can't get somebody to feel, mm -hmm. you're not going to, you know, the, the saying like, oh, I feel you like that's important. Right. Because people don't share mediocre content that, oh, that's, that's cool. They don't share that's cool content. Right. They share something that makes them smile, something that makes them laugh, that makes them that cry, feeling. gives them goosebumps, right? It, it has to be mm -hmm. something that, that resonates and, and, and it makes them feel it's it's theirs as much as it's yours, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. Okay. They have to feel like they're part of whatever, because they have to immediately relate to that. So the parodies were a way, I would read the comments, it'd be like, yo, this is hilarious, I work at McDonald's. Or, yo, like, white boy can rap. Like, something <laughs> urged them enough to leave a comment. Right. People don't comment on boring things. Yeah. Well, they'll just hate on it. Yeah, because right? hate, hate comments are the easiest thing yeah. to do. So easy, man. But for, for somebody to leave something that, that, that is not negative, it's like you did something yeah, right. Yeah, they a lot you, out of their day yeah. to do that for yeah. sure. I get a lot of comments now, and I'm super blessed and fortunate to have the audience that I have, mm -hmm. but a lot of comments come through that I see notifications on my phone. It'll be like, this is the first comment I've ever left on YouTube. And to me, that is like very powerful because mm -hmm. if I evoked something in them to say, I need to interact with him. I need to put something out in the universe. Even if he doesn't read it is big deal. Right. That's like standing up in a crowd because a positive comment is something that can be ridiculed. A negative comment. People skim over that because it's so normal. We're so desensitized to negative comments that people don't stand up for them much anymore. And mm -hmm. I do have, I have a lot of audience members that will, kind of go in on somebody if they're being a little rude to me, but I don't care anymore. Right. Yeah. I've been told that I look like I'm autistic. I've been told that, you know, I'm stuffy all the time, which you I pretty am. much heard it all at this everything, point. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, there's people that will hate you because of your race. There's people that are going to hate you because of your sex, your mm -hmm. age, your height, your weight. Like people are going to hate something about you without knowing you because yeah. it's easy. Oh yeah. They want to feel easy. like they exist through your work. That's why they leave a comment because it's they're they're behind you. A comment is a is a follower. A comment is someone who's who's following your lead mm -hmm. that that is is influenced by you in one way shape or form even if it's negative because they're not the one doing the video. They right. came to you. You didn't go to them for the negative negativity. Right. So you just got to like, roll it's with It's like that. you you can literally put all this time and energy into a video and then they get equally just as much time by leaving a comment and then having it voted up or whatever. You well, know they'll what I mean? go back to it. They'll yeah. go back to the video three times a day to see if anybody upvoted it or commented on yeah. it. Yeah. They get, they get, that's, that's their content creation. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but it is what it is. You know, like I don't delete negative comments like that unless they're really hurtful or like yeah. hurtful to a group of people. Right. Um, because it is what it is. And yeah. I leave my old videos up from 2009. They're, they're uploaded uh, in 2010 because I changed my channel name. Yeah. So I had to take those videos and take them to a different YouTube channel. Yeah. But they were, even in the videos, it's like it's 2009. <laughs> and so I leave those up so people can see that I wasn't good on camera when I started that. Oh, and I was going to ask yeah. that. Like, how, how did you build the the confidence, just for anybody who's watching too probably, sure. and me, to like speak in front of a camera and all that? I realized that I had audience members and people watching the, the, the videos that I would do that didn't have anybody else. They didn't have a friend or a family member to tell them like what they were doing mattered. And so 
making eye contact is so important. Just like making eye contact with yeah. you guys that I was like, the camera lens is their eyes. Mm-hmm. I need to talk to them in the camera lens and be able to present no different than I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. I need to be able to look at the camera as if it's a friend that just doesn't talk back and be able to have that conversation with them so that there's no connection with somebody that's looking off to see if they look good in the screen next yeah. to you. you. You have that disconnect. So when you're on YouTube, whether you're not looking at the camera and you're just doing a beat making video or a tutorial, you have to talk. Like I talk to the camera. Like I would talk to my brother. Like I would talk to my best friend. Like I would talk to a, even like a third grader. Mm-hmm. You have to be, you have to connect. A third grader is not going to care if, if you're sitting there on your phone, like, Oh, what's up? Uh, you want to play? Okay. Them like they want engagement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to feel like they matter. They want to feel like you're, they're part of whatever you're doing. Right. And they, yeah. that yeah. they're important. I have a theory that everybody in the world, their, their main focus in life passively is feeling like they matter, feeling like they're important in one way, shape or form. That's why people leave negative comments. Who, 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 who are you leaving a negative comment? Well, I want to feel important. Right. Yeah. I'm important enough that my, that my hate should matter to you. That's what they're saying through the comment. And it, it, that's, that's the thing, whether, you know, we're doing this, whether we're doing a vlog, right? Who cares that I'm at Arby's eating a half pound roast beef sandwich? Nobody cares. But the, to those who do, they, it, it, it does matter. Well, first of all, don't ever go to Arby's. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Bro, I, I've, I've never had a good experience with Arby's, man. man. I don't know what it is. And they're so nice. Cause the last time I went was on my birthday, bro. It was on my birthday. They're like, birthday Arby's. And, and, and they were like, no. And then they were like, it's your birthday. And they gave me like a free little dessert. The dessert was good, but the food, I was like, man. I don't mm. know that roast beef sandwich with the dip. That's uh, pretty good. Did they hold your reservation? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we randomly walked in there because the place I was going to was still under construction. Man. So, but yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to get up talking, but, but you, you said, you said Arby's and it triggered me. <laughs> he got mad. He was like, Arby's. Uh, you know, you just effectively ruined the possibility of getting sponsored by Arby's. Now, but, okay. You know, it is well, what it is. You know what, man? There's all, you can always retract statements. Hey, you know what? Change, change his mind. You know, <laughs> you know who mind. does have a good burger? <laughs> Habit Burger Grill. Yeah. Oh, I just had to have it last week. Yeah, bro. There's one. In, there's one in Orlando. It's good. It's solid. They have a char burger. Oh yeah, you can get char burger yep. with bacon and avocado with yeah. cheese. Yeah. Have and you tr- have you tried those? Uh, what are they, what are they called? Um, tempura the, green beans. Yeah. Damn, he knew right away because he, yeah. he said yeah, the little like hat. The little, that's uh, that's the universal that sign for tempura green beans. <laughs> <laughs> you go up to the you're like yeah yes I'd like the uh, okay, how many orders would you like sauce with that? All right all right get, get, getting back on topic. Um, yeah man. Would you say you you found like your 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 direction as far as branding yourself on YouTube and what kind of content you like to produce for YouTube? The greatest thing about YouTube is I realized early that even though I sucked. I had the balls to do it yeah. because so many people be like, how, how do you do on YouTube or how do you get on YouTube? I want to have a YouTube channel. I want to do that too. Right. You tell them what gear you use. You tell them what software you use. You tell them it's easy. Tell them to get into they don't it. Do anything. They would buy the camera and never do videos. Right. That's the greatest thing about it. Why do people leave comments? Cause it's easy. Yeah. Faceless. Yes. Uh, Why do people not do YouTube? Because they're afraid to be on camera. Yep. Yeah. They're yep. afraid to, Oh, I might have a pimple. Oh man. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not attractive. Right. You know, I can't grow luscious beard like you, uh, you know, all my wardrobes, I look fat, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. My skin's oily. My hair's greasy. Oh, like, I don't have the right equipment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Excuses. Like, it's, oh, it's too dark. It's green. You know, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've met so many people 
that have told me that they're going to wait till they have, well, you know, I have very, very high standards. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait until, uh, you know, I'm going to wait until the, the camera comes down and price a little bit. It's overpriced. (laughs) It's like you you could have, it comes down $200. Yeah. Right. And then they'd buy it and then it'd be like, Oh, you know, this is old technology. I'm going to wait till the new camera comes out. Well, that's the thing is there's always a a million excuses to not do something always, bro. It's easier to make excuses for sure. You know, the thing about it is we live in an era where I could pick up my phone and have a higher quality video yeah. in five minutes, start to finish, than somebody in 2001, 90, 1998 would have with yep. $50,000 worth of equipment. Yeah. And people overlook that. Oh, I need, I need, a, need, a good, I need to get the new uh, 5D Mark 7. It's yeah. supposed to come out in 2020. I'm just going to wait, and then I'm going to get huge real fast. But they have a phone that shoots 4K slow motion in their pocket. Yeah. It, it, it blows thing, my though, mind. That's the thing. Like, people, people don't understand that they were taking pictures of the Himalayan mountains and like, 2000 with a nine megapixel camera you yeah, know what i mean exactly and now we have we have a, a 42 megapixel camera you have a 10 mega you have the same camera in your phone that's right you yeah. know and well the thing is you know to get back to your question i i realized that that was kind of my unfair advantage because i would i stumbled through it long enough yeah to realize that my competition's not doing this like no matter how good they are yeah people won't find them right this could be i could take this platform over even back in 2010 or 11 I think that's when YouTube, and, and I could be wrong here for those fact checkers, that uh, they officially became the second largest search engine in the world. Right. It overtook like <clears throat> Yahoo or whoever. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, I think it was 2012 that I got my first check from YouTube. And I'm like, oh, I can make money doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can get brands that want to pay me to like review products. And they're telling me to be honest about it. So I don't have to have like a moral dilemma. Like, Okay game on like affiliate marketing like all this different stuff and, and i have a, like a moral compass where i've done a couple videos in the past when i was first getting started for the for the money right oh we'll give you four hundred dollars to review this and tell this 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 and i'd do that and i'd feel like such a scumball mm-hmm. that i would actually i'd get in trouble with the brand because i took the video down Ooh, okay i would oh, take the okay. video down so i kind of like broke their trust but i was like I'm telling my audience to go buy a $20 snack box that has like $3 worth of snacks that you could probably get for free if you just emailed the company <laughs> and said, hey, I'd like to try that new flavor of pizza goldfish. Or you just go to Costco and get the free samples. That's, that's, yeah. the, thing. that's the thing, man. And, you know, integrity is so important 100%. in this, in marketing. It's it, Because in marketing, what are you doing? You're you're influencing a person's decision mm-hmm. through through storytelling, through persuasion, like whatever. And if you... If you, if you lose their trust, if you break that, if you take that for granted mm-hmm. and then you just do scumball things to make money, it won't last. Short term is not the way. How, right. many, how many videos came up a few years ago? It's like, I could teach you how to make this money, this much money in six weeks. And like those people aren't around no. for the most part. Yeah. Uh, they come and go in cycles, you know? So with YouTube, especially to help promote my, my music and stuff like that, I was trying to come in at it, come at it from a different angle. I said, okay. I could do beat making videos and stuff like that. But at the same time, parodies are bringing people in and who watch parodies, everybody, but there's still music creators that are watching parodies because they're listening to music. It's, yep. it's related. So <laughs> I, I have a lot of customers over the years that found me through a parody and then ended up being a customer of mine buying beats from me. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it kind of, it kind of ramped up back in 2016 when I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start doing marketing and business videos and just teach people basic marketing. I'm going to teach people how I built up a brand, how I sell music online, how I engage with audience members, how I, you know, build a fan base or email marketing list or what, like whatever. I'm like, I'm going to do a few videos like that. 
And honestly, it was just lazy content. I could put up a, a camera and stare at the camera for 10, 15 and minutes and just talk about because I do it. So like, it's not like I'm making stuff up. It's just like, okay, let's talk about email marketing. Okay. Well, first thing you need is a list. How do you start a list? Like just jump into it. Those questions that you just said, yeah. what is email marketing? How does it work? Where do I go? Like those questions are where people stop at. Yeah. You know, and then that's, and you, you said one thing that was very, very important just now. You said like, you know, th there was this whole uh, market on YouTube that nobody, nobody that was messing area. with you that they, because nobody would do it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody would make, would make videos about themselves and how they, did, how they started the journey, how they got there. Exactly. You know, and, and, and it kind of, it, it reminds me of, of how, <clears throat> Uh, you see so many businesses that are not necessarily like even here in Vegas, like there's a lot of businesses that are not necessarily the greatest, whatever, but they know the business that they know how to market themselves. They know how to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not just like, Oh, I, I do, I do this because I like doing it. It's, it's, it's more than that. You have to teach yourself. You have to discipline yourself. Yeah. You, you know, and then that's a great point. One reason why I started doing the marketing and business videos is kind of from a spiteful place because I was sick of seeing people cheat the system mm. and I was making enough money outside of music because mm -hmm. I, I firmly believe since day one, you got to have multiple hustles. You got to diversify your income. All right. So I was making money doing consultations as a marketing expert or like whatever for companies. I was doing uh, commercials for small businesses like dentists office, veterinarians offices, like doing, you know, animations and doing graphic design and basic website design and stuff like I was making enough money there where I'm like, you know what this I'm so sick of watching these people do like how to sell beats online, how to how to grow your brand online. And I'm like, it's complete. Can I swear on this book? Yeah, okay. go for it. I'm like, it's complete bullshit. They're not telling you the secrets. They're literally giving you false information to keep you away from yeah. being a competitor. Right. I'm like, I don't care if I, I don't make any more money off music three years from now because I'm giving away the secrets. Right. But you saying that you got to buy promo through this asshole that's like just botting accounts is right. not like half of these experts on YouTube. And I'm not, there is a lot of great information, a lot of really a genuine inf information and people on there, but there's some fucking snakes on YouTube oh, so who, who are like, you need to do this. And, and then the, like in their bio, it's like, I have a media company. No, you motherfucker. You like bought, you, you, you pay for bots yeah. to bot these people's account, including their own Yeah. to buy like, Oh, I have a hundred thousand subscribers or a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. And I get like, uh, you know, 20,000 comment, like, no bitch. Like it's not real. <laughs> it's not real. There's so much facade. Bro. It's, that not, if, yeah. it's gotten crazy in the last couple of years, man. If um, you don't teach people what's real, yeah, they'll never know. And they'll chase a facade that they think is the truth. Yeah. And that's dangerous. Yep. That's going to like the people complain about millennials will imagine all these people doing marketing and like they're all inner circling with no one. Yeah. Their numbers are fake. If you have 40,000 Instagram followers and you're getting like five organic likes on your, your shit's broken. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah. obviously Instagram only shows your, I mean, Instagram's algorithm only shows your post to 10% of a segmented and, audience. And, and, and it, it hurts you. It, it, it hurts does you. hurt. Yeah. But these, some of these people are, and I know them because they've called me and told me their strategy. They're hundreds of dollars a month in on keeping the lie alive. Right. From like, at the end of the day, there's people like, oh, that's all that matters is numbers. It's like, does it? Right. You might make some money now, but when you're 45 as a manager at Best Buy, you might want to, you might rethink your strategy back when you were doing it on, you know, when you were Insta famous. Right. So doing the marketing and, and, business videos especially in the music realm i started getting a kick out of it because i could see the people that were getting really annoyed that yeah. i was just telling it like it is yeah and i don't give a fuck because i'm talented enough 
that I can make a hundred thousand dollars doing marketing a year. Right. I can make a hundred thousand dollars doing a You're clothing not afraid line. Of the competition. I'm not ever going to fail because the hustle gene is so strong that if all of my music, like for instance, this is something I've never told publicly right now. I only have 20% hearing in my left ear because oh, wow. my station tube is completely effed up. I have a rupture, a ruptured eardrum. Did, did that come from like listening to music too loudly? Or? No, I, I got a really, really bad sinus infection that turned into an ear infection. Oh. And then both ears, like I couldn't hear out of both ears for close to two months. Mm-hmm. Like literally I could like snap and it was muffled, muffled, muffled. And this one cleared up. My, my right ear cleared up, but my left one still only 20, maybe 25% hearing. Yeah. So I can lay on my right side when I go to sleep. And somebody could be talking to me. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's, wow. it's bad. And I'm going to have, a, I was going to have surgery, surgery. in December. Uh, now it's, 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 I'm so busy. It's like, I, is it like a 50, 50 chance or is a hundred percent going to fix it? It's going to fix it. Cause they're going to oh, install. Cool. I was going to, I was going to say in the meantime, just pan it. to the no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, You know what? That's one reason I've stayed so busy doing marketing and business videos. I'm still doing music. Right. Well, you learn to adapt to a mix. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I can still mix, you know, based on experience and stuff and have it. I have friends that'll reference it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. Wow. Especially cause the presets over the years I have like everything in, in sessions where I know what it sounds like, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, when I was in first grade, I was legally deaf in first grade. Oh wow. I had both, both of my eardrums had ruptured from ear infections cause I've always had issues. And so they put little teeny tiny plastic tubes in my ears. That's how they fixed them. They let the eardrum healed and mm-hmm. the, the tubes, allowed flow of audio and even air and stuff through from this sinus cavity out to the ears. Anyway, mm-hmm. not trying to make this podcast all boring, but no, 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 it, no, no it, this super is dope. I, I had never knew that, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And so, then to, to kind of know that about you, like, like knowing, knowing what you've accomplished yeah. because a lot of people were like, Oh, I got an ear infection. I guess I can't do music anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's just good such to a, hear. yeah, well, man, there's no excuses. There's no excuses, man. No, and that's the thing is like, okay, I'm, my hearing is not the greatest right now. What can I do to stay busy and just kind of step away from music a little bit because I'm still getting paid mm-hmm. on stuff I've done and I'm getting paid from other things I do. I don't need to hustle 24 seven to try to make more money selling beats online. And I've already established relationships where I could send them stuff and I have a catalog built up of mm-hmm. things that I never released that I have. It's like fresh content to the world that might be a year old to me. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to do business and marketing videos and just teach the secret sauce because in my opinion, I don't have competitors. Even Nobody can make my music, right? Obviously music can be generic and you can follow styles and I'm not the greatest producer of all times by any means. I don't even think I'm in the top 50% overall, but my music is my, my own. You know, yeah. I don't follow any other marketing and uh, music guy on YouTube. I don't watch any other videos. I don't subscribe to that. Right. Uh, there might be a couple actually that are buddies of mine that I do just based off support and they have good information, mm-hmm. but I don't watch them to learn. Yeah. yeah. I, th- this sounds kind of ignorant, but I don't watch other people to learn because a lot of them are regurgitating content, regurgitating what they heard. Gary you'll B start say. sounding like them. That's you'll it. That's it. Like them, Same with music. Yep. I don't listen. I, I listen to new music, but I try not to take influence from yeah, it. You want, sure. you want your, your music to stay current and stay relevant, right. but you have to have your own style unless style. you just want to, I mean, you could be a copycat. I mean, there's plenty of people making a hundred thousand dollars a year as copycat producers and artists and all that. Good no, stuff. It, well, when you say copycat producers, do you mean like somebody who makes like a, uh, Drake type beat like, like uh, is, that's is a, that uh, that's a whole different story because okay. the type beats thing went from that to now it's just a pretty decent strategy on like YouTube or whatever okay. they'll say like Drake type beat Lil Uzi Vert type beat like it's really just giving the artist that's in that vein 
an easy, easier access to that type of beat. I used to, I used to kind of publicly uh, talk down on that, but over the years, I understand that there's a place for it. Now, do you have to do that all the time? No, but some of big, some of the bigger names have made that so popularized that artists now go and they say, well, I kind of sound like Post Malone, so or Post Malone type yeah. beat or right, Khalid, right, or like whatever. Right. And so I get it. It's a marketing strategy. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm not going to hate their hustle. Um, yeah, man. I mean, there's so much opportunity out there that it's not even worth trying to compare yourself to who, who you would deem your competitors. Right. That just takes away from creating. That just takes away from, uh, trying to push your brand forward. And right. you know, the, the whole branding thing is kind of played out right now. They're like, Oh, you, you gotta be your brand. Like, but at the end of the day, it's true. Right. Everything you do online is, is either your own brand or if you, even if you're not a business, people look at it like it is. That's the thing is like, you know, it was things like Instagram, you know what I mean? You look at it and, and after doing it for so long, like doing it seven days a week, like there's no break in it. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, Oh man, I really hate this part of, of being an artist, but it's like, that's the part that you need to do. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as you may not want it, like, you know, that's 50% of the business, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or like, for example, I just started doing a, a Facebook ads for my photography, right? Yeah. For like booking weddings and, sure, and, sure. and things like that. And it's like, it's something that I don't really care about because that's not, you know, I, I would just rather be out there shooting. Like, right. I don't really care about learning about targeting, looking at, le learning about analytics and about like, you know, uh, uh, interest and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. really care about that, but you have to learn you it have to. if you want to stay in the game. Yeah. Well, the thing is you don't learn about it and you don't really care about it till you're able to buy a Lamborghini cash because of it. Right. You know what I mean? That's the thing, like right. learning how to, how to install your pixel and get, you know, the, yeah. I mean, yep. the, the thing about Facebook ads it's really creepy, but amazing at the same time for marketers right now. Like I could target a 32 year old mother who has two jobs, three kids and loves Oreo cookies. Like I could literally target it down to yeah, that. It's right. crazy. You know, and, and the thing is about Facebook ads, people go on there and boost posts waste a bunch of money yeah they don't want to learn about i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know that was wasting money until yeah. chuck told me yeah the, like, the thing is for some people it might help get likes it might help get some engagement right but overall like if you don't know what dark posts are if you don't know how to how to run your uh, facebook ad manager correctly right and have a b testing mm -hmm. yep. yeah you, like, you, is that like split testing split testing okay yeah. okay yeah you're not really that serious about it it's i say this all the time you have to crawl through the shit until you could stand up and enjoy the life that people weren't willing to crawl through the shit for. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't, you're not handed it on a silver platter, like some rich kid or trust fund baby. Mm -hmm. If you want to become higher middle class into the lower upper class, into the, you know, parties that all the rich guys and like become one of them in a way, you're going to have to do some extraordinary shit to get out of the cycle that your, your whole family has kind of brought you up in. Right. Because if, if I would have, if I would have stayed in Wisconsin, you know, bless everybody that's there, I'd be working in a factory somewhere, making 14, 15 bucks an hour and being super excited to go home on a Friday to do nothing on the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Go watch a Green Bay Packer game, which is great. It's fun. But when all you have, all you have to look forward to is two weeks vacation Yeah. and that vacation can only cost a thousand dollars because you don't make enough to set money aside. Yeah. I, Mm, I deep. like, I can't, I can't live that life. Like no, nothing against people yeah, that can. Yeah. I yeah. just, I'm not put on this world to stay in that cycle. I was, I was put on this earth to break the cycle and show my family, show people where I'm from, what's right. possible. You know, the, 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 the kid who barely graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA and then went to college for like three months and dropped out. Like 
first of all, any college that takes a kid with a 1.7 GPA is probably going to rake you over the coals. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was 10 grand deep in like two months. I was like, like yeah. no, 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 no. I, I, I always, I always tell Chuckley, it doesn't matter. Like if, if you're, if you're stoked to go work, like, like, you know, at a minimum wage job and then yeah. you love coming home and then you love like just doing nothing with Do it. your family. Oh, like that, definitely. That, that's 100% because definitely. at the end of the day, you're going to have a better day than somebody who's killing sure. themselves and they, sure. they make millions. You know what I mean? Cause because money is just a tool. Yeah. It's money all, is a tool. all it's, it's a tool. It's not everything. It completely depends on you as a person. If you're happy in your situation, no one can tell you, yeah. you know, uh, you should go out there and do better. Like if you're happy with where you're at, stay there. Well, you know, mm-hmm. the, the one thing I think that society, not to get super deep here, but the one thing that society kind of brainwashes us in school yeah. is that if you don't have money, you're supposed to work to feel good, to buy things. Yeah. Mm. Debt slave. That, that, yeah. So you'll work, you'll work two jobs for what? So you can go buy a Yeti cooler. That's $300 that you're going to use <laughs> twice a year. Yeah. Are you going to go buy some lawn ornaments to make your house look pretty? You're going to go buy a new bird bath. That's $200 when you make 10 bucks an hour. Right. Like the priorities that we're brainwashed into thinking are triggers for success. Oh, he owns a house. Okay. Well, you can't afford it. Like what's, what's the point? He's, how can you brag about that? When you go, when you go out and you're getting a, you know, a 10% interest rate on a house that you can't afford because you signed up for a rent to own program. Right. Just so you can appease your parents, mm-hmm. just so you can, your aunt can be happy and, and proud of you when she comes for, for Christmas dinner, when you're putting Christmas dinner on credit cards <laughs> and they don't know about it. Yeah. Like you can't live like that. You have to struggle. You have to sacrifice in order to level up. If you're not mm-hmm. willing to take five steps back to possibly get one step ahead of, of the max where your family was at. I'm not saying everybody's struggling. Yeah. There's plenty of people. I, you know, I grew up with a ton of middle-class people that are yeah. fine and they're super awesome middle-class. Right Living now. paycheck to paycheck though, that's but a, happy. I don't know though, man. The, 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 there's definitely been an uprising lately and like, and like the whole, um, you know, mental health, uh, you know, people getting depressed more, more. I don't know. Maybe I'm just noticing because I'm getting older too, but like, there's just been a whole wave ever since like I got out of high school. It's like, you know, now, some, or maybe it's just because of social media and how social media has has led us. Like everybody's looking instant, at somebody's life yeah. and being like, "Oh, my yeah. life's not like that." It's yeah. social media, and it, it, you know, unfortunately, I think that as a marketer, it's something that it's kind of dark side of marketing. Yeah, it's the it's the marketing where you paint a picture to a person that isn't. This sounds horrible, but there's a lot of people out there that are are born to be a number five. Yeah, they're not mm-hmm. born to be a number one. Right. And we need people that are number fives oh, and number sure. tens. You Otherwise, your trash doesn't get picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, there's so much piss That's on true. the theater floor that you're going to slip in from the, 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 the moment you cross the threshold. Right. There needs to be people that do that. There needs to be people that enjoy teaching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because teaching is not a glorified profession. Right. Neither is an EMT. An EMT makes 11 bucks an hour to save your life. You know what I mean? Like, wow, I didn't even co- know that. A cop can pull you over that went to school for six months. And then you got to hire a, a lawyer that went to school for 12 years and pay him $10,000 to get you off something that was unjustly put on you. Like th- there's, there's things in life that don't make sense. Yeah. And you just have to accept that because if you go through life bitching about it, you're just part of the system. Mm-hmm. You, you, I, I'm a firm believer that you need to advocate for things that matter to you, but you don't need to waste your life bitching about it. Right. It is what it is. Get real. It fucking move on. I like that. So that's much, the, that's the thing. Because, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I grew up relatively poor. I don't want to say that I was, I, I was homeless for a while when I was 17. It was, I'm not going to say by choice, but my parents went through a divorce. I wasn't financially stable. My parents split up. There wasn't a place for me at, at a little moment of time. And my, my grandparents couldn't. That's a whole different story. Yeah. But, you know, when you're couch surfing and you're seeing your friends sitting there smoking weed on Friday, Saturday nights, 
and they're totally cool with that. And they're cool with working at a hardware store. And they're like, oh, maybe, you know, in two or three years at this projection, I'm going to be an assistant manager, man. I'm going to make a couple dollars more an hour. Yeah. I'm going to be able to buy that used Corolla. Like, it's, cra- it's crazy how hard people work for that extra two, three dollars. Dude. And, 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 and yet they could be taking their skills. They could jump online. And in six months, if they really applied themselves. Right. They could be making more money than their parents. Well, the, the, that, that's the thing, man. To, to do something like what you did with taking a risk in yourself people are not willing to do that much because they, they are so comfortable with the fact that like, well, you know, if I quit my job right now, I may not make money for a while, yeah, yeah. but if I get my job right now, I'll, I'll be able to work every right. day and I'll always have that paycheck coming in. You know what I mean? Pe- Until it doesn't. No, I mean, people yeah. value the job over the value of themselves. Yeah. They, they look at the job as if they need the job when in reality on paper, the job needs them. Yeah. They got the job because the job needed somebody. Right. And they fit the they fit the seat. They don't need the job. They need the money. You know, they, they need the freedom or the 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 responsibility that that's checking off on that box. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with having a day job if you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. If you get fulfillment, if you learn from it. I, I mean, I highly recommend a lot of people get day jobs in mm-hmm. the field that they're interested in yeah. to learn for free and get paid for it. Well, that and also to help them fund the things that they got going on in their business. Instead of, Uh, I see so many people and it kind of bothers me. So many people that are in their early thirties, late thirties, whatever, you know, and they're like, I need to go back to college. Right. No, you don't. You don't need to spend $80,000 to get a worthless audio engineering degree. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, shut your mouth. (laughs) I I was 18. I was not 35. Right. (laughs) I was, I went, I went to the art Institute and I, I, well, the art Institute is different. uh, I I, I regret it. Okay. 100%. uh, But it's only, and it's it's not because they didn't, they didn't teach me enough, but it's not anything. It's not anything that I could not have learned from going to Adam Ivy's YouTube channel. You know what I mean? Well, thank you. On top of that, believe i really don't believe that but were you like 80 grand deep? well no uh it, i think it was 100 oh it was 100 yeah but uh <laughs> I, I will i will say this though like the, uh they, they we need to start a, a kickstarter for you hey i'm, hey, bro, down, I'm, yeah. I'm working on it yeah. <laughs> no but um i forgot where i was going with this man I threw you into a deep depression and then audio engineering. Oh yeah. 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 One of the, one of my gripes with that college is that they, they, they taught too much uh, theory and not enough hands on. Well, now we lost another sponsor for this. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. No, bro. Arby's and the Art Institute. <laughs> this, is, this sucks. Hey, first of all, the yeah. Art Institute's going out of business. I don't even know, but they're closing the location here in Vegas. Are they? It's all good. We don't need a sponsorship. Oh, that's funny. Team has a grudge. <laughs> if you guys want to sponsor me, go ahead and forget my student loans, please. Oh, man. <clears throat> we, need, we need to get a hold of Obama. He might be able to get work, him back on. We got to get him back on, back on the phone, man. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, but yeah, 100%. Like, the thing is like, I was also 18 years old and I didn't have, I didn't, I wouldn't say I had the access to the resources that I have now. And I'm also at being 18 years old for somebody to be 18 years old and say, I have enough power in my hands to go ahead and commit to a hundred thousand dollar responsibility. Right. I feel like that's a little overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't be able to make a decision like that until your brain fully develops. And I don't feel like your brain fully ever develops until you're like 25, 26, 27. I would agree with that. You know what I mean? It's predatory. Yes. By all means, let, they sell you a dream. They, they absolutely. I've been on the, I've been on a couple tours mm-hmm. of different audio specific colleges. Yeah. And they sell you the dream. The funny thing is the, the thing, cause I'm, I'm kind of cynical, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but when I went on, for instance, I'm not going to name any names cause I'm not trying to lose any other sponsorships. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over here. <laughs> but when I, I went on a tour of a, a well-known audio Institute 
that that sells BS degrees to kids. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I found so hilarious is that during the presentation, they bring us in this huge auditorium. They're like, you know, we have the likes of Manny Fresh and this and that. And they they come and speak. And I'm like, none of those guys fucking went to college. <laughs> you're paying. Whoa, that's like yeah. you're paying these guys that learned on some old shitty MPC. Yes. And they made a brand for themselves and they made platinum records because they taught themselves or like their homeboys helped them learn yeah. as a community, as a family. Yeah. And you're pitching the fact that you pay them $10,000 to come speak while these kids are having to take redundant courses that aren't, they have nothing to do with audio engineering. They have nothing to do with recording. You do not need to know advanced algebra, geometry, <laughs> MIDI paths and stuff like we live, we live in uh, an era where none of that stuff is relevant anymore. Yeah. They're teaching completely irrelevant because it's all part of the cog. Right. If you went in there and they were like, look, either we can charge you one hundred thousand dollars to get a degree or if you just pay 12 grand, we'll teach you everything that has to do with your your right. your, your field. But we'll just give you a certificate. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing is that it was either going to be the Art Institute or it was going to be another institution that was I think it was like 10 or 12 grand at the time. Uh -huh. But it was only a certificate. It wasn't a degree. Right. And that was the deciding factor at the time. Uh -huh. But again, like I said, I was 18 years old. And of I was course. Like, I was of like, course. Damn, you know, like I you need that degree. Know. Yeah. You didn't know, but yet they made you feel empowered. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, like, I would have gotten so much more value out of that certificate just because that certificate, like, they, yeah. I actually went to, to the place and I, I did a tour and like, they're, oh, here's our students. They're taking a part of $300,000 mixing board and they're putting it back together because it's, right. because we did something to it and it's their, it's their uh, task to find out what's wrong with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's what you have to do when you're an audio engineer. You got to learn, not only know how to mix, but if you're working with actual hardware equipment, yeah. how to take it apart, how to do the electronics and put it back together. Think, you of, know? It, think of it this way. This, this is something that I tell a lot of my mentorship students that are thinking about going to college. Mm -hmm. I said, why don't you call a local uh, recording studio wherever, you know, some people don't have one in their city, but they have to still go to a bigger city to have a college like that anyway. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you find a local recording studio and see if you can intern with them? Yeah. Well, I need to be a college I need to be a college student to get an internship. Well, first of all, you don't. Second of all, if they tell you that you do, offer to give them $100 a week to intern for them. Pay them to intern for them. Mm. First of all, they won't know what to think. They'll be like, what? Right. You're going to pay? Yeah. And they're like, well, why would I pay to intern? Well, why would you pay to go to college to, for something that you're not going to use the degree for? Mm -hmm. You're going to pay 80 grand to some college? Yeah. You know how badass of a home studio I can bill for 80 grand? Right. Just because you can make payments on it, nah. Mm -mm. I can go get a Lamborghini for you know eighty percent interest rate and never own it. I mean, like right. it, the thing is, for like ten grand, you could build a wicked home studio. Oh yeah, and have like a year's worth of an audio engineer that has a recording studio or works at a recording studio. I mean, what's a hundred dollars a week? Yeah, fifty two hundred dollars a year. Right. Wow, that's. That's well, so much worse than an eighty thousand dollars student loan. I, I, I will say one of the things that I do know is a lot of the a lot of these big recording studios yeah. that do require you to, to be college credit for you to right. intern is most of the time they're they're in partnership with these colleges right. that give them free labor essentially. So well, if you say like hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks a week to let me intern for you, it flips the table. It's exactly. like oh what? Yeah, because instead of get, free labor, they're getting they're paid, getting paid. They're we, getting paid you're to have pay labor. us. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like if I had somebody said, "Hey, Keem, you know, I'll, I'll uh, can I intern for you guys, and we'll, I'll do all the camera switching, set up all the lights, and I'll pay you fifty bucks a week." I'm like, what? All right, absolutely. Even <laughs> absolutely. if they were good, yeah, and you'd give them more attention, you'd be more patient with them, yes. and you'd teach them. Yes. They'd be your apprentice. You'd care more. Yeah. So if you're out there, man, <laughs> I'm looking for you. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. So. 
But yeah, that's a good that's good stuff, no, man. I'm, really I'm glad we're on tip. the same page, and sure. I, and I, it's good to see like the the insight that you have because you do have a mentorship program, right? Yeah, I have. No, what, what what is that all about? Like, how 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 did that come about, and what is it? So back in 2015 is when I first started thinking about coming out with a program so I could help people get people under my wing because I was so frustrated from seeing my friends and, and peers have really great music and getting nowhere with it mm-hmm. because they didn't have the knowledge of building a brand. They didn't have the knowledge of marketing it. They didn't know how to package their goods to look professional. They had all this wonderful music that I could listen to all day and envy right. and ask like, how did you do that? Right. Yet I was the one making money. Right. Like it's not fair to them. It's nearly not fair. Like I'm not as good as them yet. They're getting nowhere. And when you hear them struggle, you hear them really frustrated. You hear them almost at the verge of tears because Adam, I've been producing for 10 years. Everybody tells me that my beats are dope, but nobody hears them. Nobody's buying from me. Right. I'm like, I want to help you. So in 2015, just on a whim, cause I was bored. I got on Facebook and Twitter, I think. And I was like, yo, if you want help, I want to help you one-on-one. I'll give you personal time. I don't remember what I, I said exactly. I said, send an email to, I forgot what the email address was. I, I think I do know it, but I don't want anybody emailing me there. Anymore <laughs> I, I don't check it anymore. Um, and I said, let's, let's get to work. Let's do, you know, I'll give you a free consultation or I'll walk you through a little bit. I ended up helping like 250 something people in Damn. the course of like less than six months. And I say that because some were just a one email. That's all they needed. Some right. were Skype calls. Some were an ongoing email check-in thing for free. It was all like pro oh, bono, wow. just, it was very That's fulfilling, but, and I was also doing it from a marketing side yep. uh, to kind of, you know, proof of concept. Yeah. It's like, uh, if there's something there, there's going to be something there. Yeah. If five people email me and no, you know what I mean? And there's even people are like, yo, like I'll pay you for this. I'm like, oh, okay. And then this is, this is hilarious how the mentorship program started because I, I had a private mentorship program before I went public with a course or anything like that. And it started by somebody emailing me and saying, Hey, how much is your mentorship program? And as an entrepreneur, a hustler, I was like, I don't, I don't have one. I'm helping people for free. I threw out like a big fuck you number. I'm like $3,500. It's a 10 week program. I'll help you one-on-one get a weekly call. I'll track your progress and help you. Like I was genuine about it. Yeah. And then I get an email back the next day. What's your PayPal account? Wow. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. And then other people were asking and I, I ultimately helped probably a couple dozen people. Uh, not all at $3,500 that, <laughs> yeah. that, that fluctuated, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I wanted to really give them value, but also with my schedule, I knew sometimes I wouldn't be able to give them a weekly call. So maybe that turns into a weekly uh, uh, group call. Maybe mm-hmm. that turns into direct Skype, not Skype, Slack contact with me. Right. And I kind of like whittled it into place while making money, while helping people make money and helping make a bigger impact with their momentum. And I'm like, there's something here. So in 2015, I had the opportunity to buy sellmusic.com for a little bit more money than uh, normal domains. Yeah. And I was like, I need to do it, something with this. It was more than 1199. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, th- I think it was like $3,500. Yeah. And at the time I was like, sell music.com. What would somebody type into Google? If they're trying to sell music, how do I sell music? Like it's just keyword rich. It's right there. Right. You know? And so I even think it's more powerful than buy beats or something. Cause then that's, that's a marketing right. terminology. That's right. a call to action. Yeah. That's not, trying to learn. So I bought sell music and I'm like, I want to do something with this, but I really want to prove the, the concept. I really want to prove the curriculum and kind of the flow of everything before I do this. Right. So I started doing videos on YouTube, teaching people how to do it at open, open, um, I'm sorry, opening conversations saying, Hey, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on Facebook. Let's talk in the comments. 
And then all of a sudden my YouTube channel started really growing faster than, and more consistent than usual. Right. I'm like, I have something here. And it was well over a year before I ever offered anything paid again. I, I in fact, I closed down my paid mentorship program. I would direct people to specific YouTube videos. Um, the free YouTube videos came from people's real questions. I started right. screen capturing and I have like an Excel spreadsheet with over 300 different questions that are relatively unique based on the mentorship program that I was running and people emailing me and leaving comments and stuff. And I'm like, the, I, I'm not writing the curriculum. They're writing the curriculum. I'm just answering the questions. Right. And then it got to a point where I was starting to get like 20 to 30 DMs and emails a day and I just couldn't. Even if you spend five minutes, which is like a half-assed response for most of them, it's, I don't have enough time in the day. I could literally right. sit there on my computer all day and it'd be like a full-time job responding. So I'm like, how do I separate myself? How do I separate the, the action takers from the people that want, uh, you know, the first chapter of the Bible as far as a response, but aren't ever going to do anything with it. They just want interaction. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to put something out that's premium that's going to make a divide right? because people can get as much free content as they want off my YouTube channel right? and my Instagram. And I can, I can do my, uh, volunteer work and I can help right. passively. But if you want direct contact with me, I, I mean, time is valuable. Right. If, if I'm not, and, and especially if you're getting 20, 30, you know, DMS a day, yeah. Yeah. you definitely need a way to filter that. You just that don't out. have the time. Yeah. And so, I developed a course curriculum that I sent off to some people that were friends and some people who I had uh, worked with directly in the mentorship program a couple of years prior to that. And they're like, bro, you are going to cause some distractions or not distractions, disruptions. Yeah. You are going to make enemies with this because you're literally like giving out the secret sauce. Yeah. And I'm like, if I do that, and this is going to sound marketing, but like if, if I were to give out the secrets and all the formulas and like everything I do down to a T and what these other guys that are going to be mad at me for sharing their secrets. If I give that out for free, then it's going to completely disrupt the marketing structure. Because mm -hmm. I'm okay. So imagine 500 people are doing something, something that really works really well. Right. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, they're doing YouTube promotions. And then all of a sudden those 500 people give out the secrets to where now 50,000 people are doing it. It becomes worthless. Yep. Marketers ruin everything. So when it comes to giving out the secrets and, and giving a formulaic approach rather than a upper level, just mindset stuff. You kind of have to keep it limited if you want it to continue to be effective. Not only that is you need to be able to shift with how then it goes. Cause it's not going to be evergreen. If, if someone taught you how to do marketing back in 2004, it's not going to be the same. It's, it's completely two, it's different. Yeah. Completely different. If somebody taught you how to do marketing three years ago, <laughs> yeah. it's completely, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, especially with, 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 with the platforms like Instagram and Facebook constantly always changing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, things are not going to stay the same. So hundred percent. So what I did is I made a curriculum. I scripted the majority of it. I made some really strong topics and then I spent the next six weeks recording like 50 videos mm -hmm. and everybody's like, Oh, what are you doing? You just relax. I'm like, no man, like I'm recording videos every day, yeah. every day. And some of these video scripts are 17 pages long. Like they're not, this is, I, I write the script because I need to make sure that from a textbook perspective, I'm not just freestyling and forgetting something. Yeah. I need to be thorough. So I'll freestyle in between some paragraphs and stuff and fill in the gaps. And then I have a mastermind group that's private that I have direct access and they have direct access to me, but it's, it's a premium course. No different that, you know, I don't, I don't need to sell this stuff to, to make my money, but I need to sell this stuff to kind of separate the doers from the, yep. the freeloaders. Right. And I love my freeloaders because they subscribe to me on YouTube and they, they engage 
And I hope they all make a shit ton of progress and a shit ton of money with my free content because they can. Right. And I feel well, realistically, I feel like they can just because yeah. because a lot of people, all they need is that is that that that, that fire. You know what I mean? That, yeah. The basic tools as well. And they can do it. But there's some people you can give them the, the gold yeah. and they'll be like, um, I still don't want to like, what can I get a little bit more? And you're like. I gave you everything. I gave well, you. Well, you know, Adam Ivy taught me everything, but you know what? My city, they don't really want to pay the price that he charges, so I gotta go where he goes. And <laughs> that's the thing. And you know, like this is just the beginning of something really, really huge and, yeah. and bigger than me. Uh, you know, I plan on this upcoming summer having a cell music conference in Orlando, Florida, with a bunch of my buddies and people that I respect to come in. And it's not going to be a big hoorah rah. Uh, let's listen to your beats and critique them. Like, who am I to tell you that your beats suck? I could tell you like things that need to be better. Sure. Yeah. But I'm trying to help you brand yourself. Just too much I'm, reverb, bro. Well, the thing is there's a million different, there's yeah. a million different tutorials on how to make better music. Right. Because people aren't afraid of doing that. People are afraid. And then you know what? It's a lack of confidence because there's people that are, are marketing and they're, they're very successful at it, but mm -hmm. they, they think that it's like luck. They think it's a fluke. Mm -hmm. Like when are people going to catch on that I'm doing this or that I'm not really who they think I am or whatever. Like, no, it's just, that's how marketing is. Yep. And if you don't grasp onto that, if you don't embrace it, you know, you're going to float yeah. around and just think it's luck your whole life. And someday it's going to run out because you're not doing it with purpose. You're floating along, enjoying the fruits of whatever you're doing without realizing what you're doing with purpose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You, so. you, you, you had mentioned something earlier where you said, uh, something like sell music would be more searchable than something like buy beats. Right. And I, was, and I was thinking about that right now, and I was like, hmm. It, it, it made me think, like, somebody who who, who goes to buybeats.com is not as likely to invest in themselves as somebody who goes to sell music. Because if you're going somewhere to sell music, like, it's, it's more like you're going to invest back in yourself. Because you're searching a way for you to sell music, so you're already on that line of entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? For sure. Well, the thing is, I it's, it's funny. A lot of the people in my space that... Um, try to teach music business and music marketing. Great people, like I said, but they're producers or music creators teaching marketing. I firmly believe that I'm a marketer teaching music creators mm. how to market their music. That's genius. You know, it's it's a different, it's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? Like you could be really, really good at grilling chicken and be a firefighter. Yeah. And try to teach how to grill as a firefighter, or you could be a cook. Yeah. That's a fire. That's also part-time firefighter. And he, I'm going to trust the cook. That's good at chicken yeah. more than a firefighter. Who just his family loves it. Have, you you, you got to You got to have your own space. You got to identify who you are. Too many people play the middle. Too many people try to dabble. What do you do? Oh, I'm a music producer. Uh, you know, I make t-shirts on the weekends. Man, it's dangerous. Digital marketing agency. It's right. funny. I do everything though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do it, yeah. well, what are you best at? Uh, shit. I don't even know yet. You got to figure that out. Yep. Because it, until you figure that out and you want to know, you need to decide what your reputation is. Mm -hmm. People like float. They're like, you're in control of your reputation. Yep. You're in control of your perception of, of public perception, right? No matter what you, where, what you dress, mm -hmm. how you do your mustache, you know, how you have your hair. It's <laughs> yeah. all, it's all up to you. You know, we're living in a country where sometimes we feel so divided yet we are in charge of how the public perceives us. Oh yeah. Right. If I come in here and I'm dressed completely different, completely different vibe. If I come in here with, with like a, a rag and like, uh, not yeah. even if I come in here in a red tuxedo with gold 
hummingbirds all over it. You're going to look at me like, man, this guy's eccentric. This guy, like, what is he up to? Yeah. I want to be like, damn, this guy's not signing, signing the waiver. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But that's the thing. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people will jump to like, oh, if you dress ghetto, if you dress like hood or urban or like whatever yeah. uh, adjective that you want to use for that mm-hmm. or verb or whatever. Like if I come in here with like glitter on my face and I, I have like frosted pink tips and yeah. like you're going to get a perception of me. That might not be a true representation of me. That's why I stopped wearing fitted caps in my YouTube videos because I don't wear fitted caps in real life. Mm-hmm. That was like that was like a prop for me to kind of like hide my face and be something I didn't think, uh, but being something that I thought I needed to be in order to fit in. And and I learned quickly that becoming myself, embracing my flaws, embracing who I was. Yeah, that's that's myself. That's only myself. So and I I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with like my myself included I'm pretty sure Chuck does too self identity right like how yeah. do you, how do you find out who you are what your services are supposed to be and what your purpose is supposed to be right uh-huh. like I, like I don't know do you do you just ask people around you like hey when you when 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 you look at me when you look at my website, you look sure, at my Instagram, sure. what do you see? Do you see a photographer? Do you see you, a videographer? You, you, like, what you do you don't see? you don't need other people's input though. You you are who you are when you're not trying. Mm. Mm. Like when you put in the effort to do something you like doing, what, what makes you forget to eat? We're podcasters, bro. Think about it. Like what makes you forget to eat? What makes you forget that you need to go to sleep and wake up the next day? What, what, what makes, is that photography? It's photography. Is that editing photos? It's editing photos. It's editing video. And it's also finding a way to get more business. And do you find a lot of fulfillment in that? Oh, 100%, bro. Then that's bro. who you are. That, it's, it. it's, okay. it's, one, it's one, of the, one of those things where, I, and, and I've told Chuck this before too, like, if you if you had a billion dollars tonight, yeah. if you, would you still be doing a podcast tomorrow? Oh, you'd I guess have a, I would. You'd have a badass but podcast. But it, it would be a bigger studio. Right. It would be better yeah. equipment. Right. But sure. I would still be doing this, right? Like, yeah. that's 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 how I feel I can kind of see where, I, where I'm on the right path or if I'm right. going the wrong path, you know? And that's, if, 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 I, if, I, if I want if I want to start a t-shirt printing business, like, it'd be fun for a minute. Sure. But it wouldn't be something that I'm it's passionate about. It's not the main about. thing, yeah. I would be doing it to make some money primarily, but at the end that's, of the day. That's right, that, you know? right there. That, so many people chase the money grab yeah. because they see other people doing it. Yeah. I've done it. You know, the thing is, legacy is more important than the money. Think about it this way. Okay, so I made music for, I still make music, but I've been doing music since 2006. So 12 years. It's going to be 13 years in October. If I die tomorrow, are there people going to like go dedicate a park because I made dope beats? No. Mm. But if I could teach a thousand people how to make a career, how to spend more time with their kids at home because they're able to do music full time or, or have a supplemental income to where they don't have to have that shitty second job. Yeah. They can come home and make music. They can have dinner with their kids after school every day, ask how they're doing and then say, Hey, I got to go make beats for three hours. Your wife's going to be a lot more open to that. I mean, or, you know, whoever I'm not, yeah. you know, trying to yeah. paint the family <laughs> structure yeah. in America or anything. But the thing is, if I come home and, and, and I'm fulfilled, yeah. I'm a whole different person. Mm-hmm. If you're depressed, oh, you're, not, yeah. you're not the same. I, I, money doesn't matter. As long as you could, I mean, if you don't get yourself into debt, you don't have to make that much money hypothetically to live a fine life. Yeah. There's people that are living in tiny houses and one bedroom apartments that are happier than me. Yep. Because they found fulfillment in what they do. I don't care if they work at the gardening center of a Home Depot, if they love gardening. Yeah. If they find that their knowledge base, maybe they, maybe they went to school for, botany or something right mm-hmm. and then they're like amazing at gardening right that could be their strength and then at the same time there's people who, who just like 
they they want to live a nomadic lifestyle where they're just constantly traveling right, or just yep. you know and there's nothing they, wrong they with don't want to own a home they just want to live on the road yeah. they want that freedom of being no able shackles. to just no shackles those invisible shackles you know they just want to be able to i want to it's tuesday i'm gonna go take a little road trip that's because it. i can that's you know it. what i mean like that's free that's exactly and that's it, it completely depends on the person and the way they want to uh you know live their lives yeah you know i, I think that people are depressed because they don't know who they need to impress yeah, they're trying to live you know, up to other people's expectations. They're depressed because they don't have an identity, like you were saying, and yet they push so hard to try to yeah, have deep. have a maybe. Uh, <laughs> it's deep to me. I, well, I appreciate that. You know, the thing is, they they have they they don't know who they need to identify as mm -hmm. to get the most attention. Yep. And that's the sad part because that when they go home and look at themselves in the mirror, especially females, I find like I feel truly saddened by the the attention grab that females are really going for especially the younger females on instagram on facebook you should like the recommended who you should be friends with recommended and like every chick has their makeup done the same every chick is showing like way more of their body than probably needed every chick has the little bunny ears it's, oh yeah <laughs> like snapchat oh my God, and the bro. thing is you know, live your life. Absolutely. But don't find value in other people's validation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we all do it. We all chase it. Yeah. Absolutely, and man. When you can really separate yourself from that. Yeah. At the end of the day, when you're like, I'm eating a $50 steak and I don't need to tell people about it. Yeah. You're all right. And people yep. need to also understand that when they go into something like social media, they're going into it with their perception only. So right. like if I see somebody who's also a photographer and yeah. oh my God, like I feel like their photos are way much better than mine. So that, and yeah. I'm comparing I don't know what they're going through. They may right. be looking at my photos thinking the exact same right. thing, but because they don't comment me, we don't talk that much. Yeah. The communication isn't there and it leaves, it's completely up to your perception on how to, what to take away from that whole situation. Yeah. Quality, you know? style, aesthetic. It's all subjective, completely subjective. subjective. You see people, you see artists, multi-million dollar artists coming out with album art with literally like one icon. And then you see other people that are spending tens of thousands of dollars on this like paintings, amazing mural <laughs> yeah. or like photo shoot or something. And to them, that's what represents them. Yeah. Some, you got minimalists and you got people yeah. that want to live with so much abundance that they'll never be able to enjoy anything they buy because they already have a pile. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll have five cars, but they don't drive the other, the other four, right. you know, they only, they drive one primarily and then the other one's like every other month weekend thing <laughs> why do you own it like what mm -hmm. i get it because i'm a car guy like i'd love to have a fleet yeah. but the, the Th those are things that, that that are that are nice to have if you can afford like if you know and i, I learned this now that i'm older uh because i like i do i i, I i'm pay making payments on my car you know what of i mean course. but that's because i also valued a car more than i should than i should have at the sure, time when, sure. I, when, I, when i got it but it's like I, i'm starting to realize now that i'm old i'm like you know what a nice car would be nice yeah. if you can pay for it cash. That's it. Like pay for it cash and yeah. then don't don't have that debt on your back. Right. Because now now that you have that debt, now you have that responsibility of like, oh crap, now I need to make now I need to do whatever it takes to make the money to yeah. pay for that responsibility. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, well, because now I now I don't have time to enjoy that. Now I'm at, now I have to go work. Yeah. I have to go freelance. And I have to go do pick up these these gigs that I didn't want. Yeah. Because I have something that I you know mm -hmm. that I acted out. You know? Yeah, I, th yeah. I think that true financial freedom isn't a number, isn't a goal. Yeah. It's when 
all of your expenses can be auto deducted out of your account and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't affect you. Yeah. You don't have to wake up stressed out and check your bank account. Yeah. Oh, did that car payment come out today? Oh, I thought it was coming out tomorrow. I don't get paid till Friday. Yeah. And see, I finally just hit that in my life. So yeah. it's like, it's the first time. It's a like, blessing. It's crazy. Like a lot of people don't understand like being not, I'm not like, you know, rich, right. But I'm, I literally don't stress. Like I can literally just chill. You're and good. Be, and be like, Hey, um, like I'm not afraid of bills or anything right. like my car. I, I get a hoopty, you know what I mean? Because I don't want a car payment. But um, it breaks down a lot. Yeah. But I'm not like, usually back in the day, I'd be like, oh my God, like this. Yeah, yeah you're I'm ruined. Just like, I'll just rent a car and I'll just bring it to a, my homie and, rent, yeah, yeah. and repair it. And it's like, it's crazy because that was literally my most stressful thing is not having money. Right. Because it was always like, I worked so hard for nothing. But now I finally have like, you know, decent freelance gigs, all that. And I'm sure. working and it's just like, it feels really good. And I think it's that thing, like, I'm not greedy. I'm not chasing the money. Right. But that financial freedom is probably one of the, and stress is the most important thing. Stress-free life, that probably will make you live the longest. 100%. You know? Yeah. I find it ironic that the money comes in in abundance when you don't need it. Exactly. It starts, mm. it starts flowing it's, when you it's, don't worry it, about it. That's everything in your life, yeah. bro. Mm. Everything comes to you when you're not looking for it. You Unless know, like, it's Arby's. <laughs> oh, shit. It came back full circle, y'all. <laughs> He's waiting for it. No, but I, I do I do notice that like like when you know when you're not actively looking for something, it just finds Falls its way into, into your, your life, lap. Man. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Where'd you come yeah. from? <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean uh you you you've worked with a with a with a bunch of people in your professional career from yeah. you know, mentoring people, from producing music. Have, do you have any like crazy stories that you like to talk about? Um so I've had the opportunity and bless, uh, I've been blessed enough to work with over 2,500 independent artists and some bigger names that became bigger names after I worked with them. You know, like nice. when I worked with g he was still kind of like a B-list, C-list artist. And now he's all over the place. So yeah, I didn't get, right. I didn't get that opportunity because I'm so dope that I'm getting attention from the major labels. And that's one thing that I push in the Cell Music Masterclasses. You don't need major placements. You don't need a record deal. You don't need to live in LA. You don't need to live in New York to make a living right. off of music. That's all bullshit that they try to kind of brainwash you. Oh, you need to move to LA. No, you don't. Do you want an $1,800 a month studio apartment <laughs> when you're living in like Elgin, Illinois, and you can yeah. have a house for 600 bucks? Yeah. Like Six rooms. <laughs> that, that's the you thing. You know, that, 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 was, that used to be that I remember growing up, and that was the dream of like, oh, okay, well, we got to make it so that we can move to LA. Right. Yeah. You know, because that's where yeah. everybody's working. They're, Everybody who's are. a working professional is in LA. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But they've also got the most amount of bills. You know, well, like they, they have to be making the amount of, amount of money they make to maintain that. Before I get to my story, Ooh. I'm going to build on what you just said. So many online guys that find success selling music online. If they move to L.A., what the fuck are they going to do? They're used to doing business online. <laughs> yeah. They're not used to the networking and hustle aspect of doing networking and getting out of their closet right. and going to studios at three, four o'clock in the morning. Or is your girlfriend going to be cool with that? You going and like blazing with, with the boys at the studio every night until like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Is she going to trust you when like chicks are just hanging around Yeah, and everybody's drinking and smoking. And it's like, it's not the same life. You got a party to network. You, yeah. you don't go out and like play video games and give each other high fives while drinking apple juice in the music <laughs> industry. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. So you can move to LA, but you got to completely change the way you've been hustling and the way your lifestyle. Yeah. So if you're making money online and you're good at it and you become kind of a maverick of bringing people in through inbound marketing, through understanding how to build a brand, right. brands are offering you $500 to do a product review on something that also costs $1,500 that you wanted to buy, but they're sending it to you for free. Why would you want to move to a place that's completely foreign 
to chase placements. Yeah. So like, hmm, I, I mean, I, it's not my thing, but anyway, uh, the only story that I really have is something I share once in a while. And it's about the, uh, artist who I was working with directly when I first started making making money with music. Yeah. And we put out a couple mixtapes and, and that was even kind of a sham because he told me he was going to pay me because he was releasing an album. And then like a week before the album was dropping, he's like, Oh bro. And this is not at all how they sound or what they said, but <laughs> oh, bro, uh, you know, we're going to actually just do a mixtape and drop it to the people for free, build up hype, get some radio interviews and stuff. I'm like, well, free doesn't pay my bills when he promised me X amount. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm giving you, you know, two dozen beats to choose yeah. from that nobody else has had but access to. Adam, you're going to gonna get exposure, man. Oh, expo- I can get more exposure. I'll pay you an exposure. I get more exposure sitting here waving out a window. Of some sort of like, <laughs> it's, it's bad. You know, it's, it's the, the full circle of it came to where the manager of this particular artist had sent me a, an award. And the award was to thank me for working on the mixtape that they gave away for free. So now they're investing money to thank people for not paying them. <laughs> That's how I took it. Damn. And the award, the plaque, the plaque of the award was like, you ever get like a fourth place trophy? You're not good enough for a real trophy. So you get a wood plaque yeah. with like a metal piece on it. I've never gotten one. I've never been on I any teams. Those. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you don't like <laughs> it first place. I've yeah, seen yeah. 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 I'll Google first search place. it real quick. <laughs> well, he sends me this plaque and I, I appreciate it. I'm appreciative, yeah. but I'm also inquisitive. So the plaque, the, the, the wood part and the metal part that was affixed to it weren't straight. It was crooked. So no matter how I mounted it on the wall, it would look crooked. Yeah. So I text him. I'm like, yo, I appreciate this plaque. But it's crooked. By chance, did you look at these before you sent them out? Excuse me. I said, because this thing is crooked. And no matter how I hang it on the wall, either the plaque <laughs> is crooked itself or the mount, the, 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 the artwork on it's crooked. Like a oh, plaque bro. that came out of Cracker Jack box. This guy came at me. He yelled at me. He called me. He called me. This is he called me and he yelled at me like I like like I was his kid and I just crammed all over his wall or something. Like he was it, it was like the phone was in his mouth. Yeah. And he was like, all I got out of the entire call was he called me a white twerp and that he better not see me and that something about hunting down my killing my mother. Whoa. Which, which I, which, which this is the reason that I, I share this story because he went way too far. That's yeah. way too far. He went, he, he was so upset that I wasn't appreciative for something that he spent money on when he owed me money. Well, it just was mind blowing. And it, it made me realize because this is the same individual who was, who was, we'd meet up occasionally in person to talk about music and stuff. And I, you know, he really went out on a limb by buying me. Pandora, uh, Panera, like twice, you know, shout out to him nice. yeah. you know, for spending $16. <laughs> like I really owed him. So like, didn't, don't, don't value the producer at all. And you know, the thing about it was I'm obviously a white guy, if you couldn't tell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they it's would always, just the lighting. Yeah, I know <laughs> I'm like translucent. I'm, I'm happy you didn't turn these things light, bro. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, but he, he would always say things like, you know, I'm so happy that we're coming together. And that, you know, you have soul and we're able to uh, have diversity in these productions and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I felt good about it. He was a man of the Lord and would always, you know, that this and that. Damn. And then as soon as I told him his plaque was whack, like he went off the chain and just, he started yelling at me on the phone. And it was just bad, man. And <laughs> then the artist crazy. wouldn't, the artist hit me up. I was like, yo, what's going on, man? I told him, I'm like, dude, the, the issue is the artist was so talented and his manager 
is going to keep him from ever having success because his manager wants to live vicariously through him. Yeah. He wants to do his music videos. He wants to do his production and his mixing and all this stuff. Uh, and, and I get it being supportive of your boy. Yeah. But you, you are keeping your boy from ever having a record deal. Now this guy's probably like 35 or 40. That's and, and he, the train has left the station. That's that's one of the things that we we, we actually just talked about uh, with the uh, gym owners that we had in here. Yeah, one of the most important things about being somebody that's successful is knowing how to delegate. That's right. You, yep. de- you delegate different yeah. roles different to different people who have Excuse those strengths. Yeah, you know, just because you can do everything doesn't mean you should do everything. Right. Yep. Yeah. You should focus on the things that you're the you're you're better at. One hundred percent. You got you you have to focus on your strengths and kind of get away from your weaknesses because as you grow older. You don't have the time to get really good at your weaknesses. Yeah. And it's so much more valuable time. It's the time money ratio that I talk about all the time, but it's either you have the time to do it or you have the money to pay somebody to do it. Yeah. You usually don't have both. If you do have both, you're like in a very good position. position. Yeah. 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 Damn, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, thread. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Threat my I'm, mom. I my hope, mom's very yeah, sweet. Yeah, man. Damn, that's all a thing. on a plaque. Yeah. On a plaque. That's crazy. A, a plaque People to are. celebrate a free mixtape that did nothing. <laughs> You said, bro, your flag was cricket. Yeah. <laughs> Did uh, you get and, these out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, the, much respect to them. Like that artist, like I said, is super talented. Real quick, do you still have that plaque? No, I threw it away. I wanted to see it. Yeah, I, I should have kept it. I should have kept it. But yeah, nice. no, I, I threw that away. How, what was I going to do with it's it? Crooked. <laughs> it's crooked. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I try. I, I literally put a I put a nail in the wall, and I was like, "There's nothing I can do. <laughs> nothing I can do here." Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So so having done so many things in your professional career, like what yeah. what would you say has been the most uh, challenging experience whether it's you know music or it's or it's another venture what what have you found sure, sure. to be the most challenging experience and has taught you something so in 2016 in july of 2016 i launched a clothing line mm. called just be and it was all about the premise of just be yourself yeah uh be authentic really harness who you are and don't try to compare yourself you know i have a friend who had some pictures up on facebook a really close friend of mine he's like a brother to me and some pictures up on Facebook of him and his kids in the ocean. And he had a t-shirt on. And I'm like, why are you wearing a t-shirt, bro? He's like, oh, you know, I've gained some weight. And I'm like, okay. But I'm like, that really triggered something in me to say, you're enjoying the ocean with your kids and you're afraid to take your shirt off because of how society Mm. has painted the picture through advertising, through uh, Instagram, through all these different things. Cause I'm sure there's not a bunch of rip motherfuckers on the beach that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, maybe on TV, but when you go to the beach, there's not a whole lot of rip no, guys. Unless not. it's like spring break or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just I'm that like, over tan dude. Right. With the really dark nipples. It, the, yeah. <laughs> his name's Clint. His name's Clint, <laughs> Clint, yeah. His hair's bleached for some reason. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why. Yep. And it's not even like good. It's like the sun actually did it. He's outside so much. <laughs> but uh, no, so my buddy, you know, and that, I didn't go into like, you know, any type of motivational thing with them. Like, oh, you should embrace yourself. But I was just like, I need to make a clothing line that isn't just for super ripped dudes. Mm -hmm. But I want it to be like a lifestyle fitness brand. And the passion behind that was good. And the the intention was great. But then I realized that you can't please everyone. You know, I came out with a ton of different. I mean, my my clothing went all the way up to four X and the other athletic companies, they're not going up that high. But then I realized that the cut for like a smaller, medium, a large person doesn't necessarily match what needs to be in place for a 2XL, 3XL, 4XL. And I have a lot of big friends. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking 
feedback from them and I'm tailoring the, the shirts and the pants and stuff for them. And then the slimmer people aren't happy. So I'm like, that makes sense. Why fitness brands are so niche, right? You know, mm. so I was doing all the order fulfillment myself. I was hand sewing on all that. I mean, I still do. I, I hand sew on all the hem tags myself in front of a brother sewing machine, like doing everything myself. I've manufactured overseas. I've done screen printing here, like taking care of all the logistics of it. That's the most valuable aspect of this entire business is understanding the, the physical product business and how to deal with manufacturers, how to package, how, like, cause the perception of it's big. Like I spent a ton of money and not a ton of money, but I spent enough money on my, my mailers and the hang tags and like everything to give a person a experience. professional experience right. from a guy fulfilling orders from a garage or a spare bedroom. You know, they don't, they don't understand that it's not a huge brand, but it, it kind of comes off as a big brand. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I invested like thirty-five or forty thousand dollars in getting that off the ground with inventory. I was super overzealous. I was like, "I'm gonna order a hundred of these. I'm gonna order four hundred pairs of sweatpants. This is gonna sell." Like I was super confident. This is gonna sell. Yeah. And I'm like right at the break-even point. I'll give you that. Like right at the break, but two years later. Yeah. Right at the break-even point with a with a decent amount of inventory left, and I'm right. like, "Why would I do this when I was making fifteen grand a month selling Beats Online?" Right. When I'm struggling to make four or five selling t-shirts, selling a physical product that I feel good about and that people like, but you need to make enough money and enough profit to keep new products coming out. Right. This is something I've never really talked about publicly because I'm not embarrassed of it, but I just, I I put it on the back burner and I'm like, you know what? I need to go back to the drawing board Mm -hmm. and figure out if this is a money grab, something that I was passionate about and just got bored with. Or if this is something that I really want to develop into something that's more than just clothes. Right. But there's so many people out there that are trying to sell t-shirts and joggers and shorts because like every manufacturer online is reaching out to people saying like, you should have a personal brand. You should do this. You should have t-shirts. Like t-shirts are easy money. Like t-shirts are very easy money. Yeah. If you have an audience and and I Mm. launched to an audience that wasn't my audience. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, I was I was going to ask yeah. what what looking back, what is something that you would have taken away from it that 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 you didn't know going into it, and you just you kind of just said it, it, it. You you made something for an audience that wasn't yeah. your audience. So I didn't mention this before, but in 2008, I think I was a certified personal trainer. Never did never did it as a job. Just got the certification, and that's when the economy crashed and people weren't hiring for personal trainers. That was like a passion of mine. Yeah. Fitness is a passion of mine. I still do Instagram videos once in a while when I'm at the gym or whatever, but like there was a moment where I was like, I could be a fitness influencer, whatever they want to call it, like a fitness guy on YouTube. I could do that. Yeah. Because it's like you start believing in yourself. Like, oh, I, I'm way better at camera stuff than that. You know what I mean? Like uh, I got a decent physique going on right now. Like I, I'd be, it, it's dumb. And I, well, and just I, look at that John Cena video, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was the glory days. But with, with the just be clothing line, I did things all wonky in the wrong order. I launched to music producers and people that like funny videos trying to sell them a fitness brand. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. Now, luckily I have the skill set to do photography and video editing and, and, and make logos and websites and stuff. So I was able to build up the website and the perception of it to seem like it was a legitimate established brand which it then kind of became through repetition. But like I said, you know, uh, it fell flat because that's not my audience. If I would have came out with my own custom branded microphones or keyboards. Yeah. It would have been something completely different. Or software yeah. for yeah. music creators. It would have been a different story. A whole different story. Easy. It'd be very successful. Right. 
And I wish I had that money back to then put into that. Right. Excuse me. But you know, that was the biggest learning experience because I learned a lot and I, I, I can help people start a t-shirt brand. I can, I can help people and I have yeah. mentored people into starting their own clothing line and missing all the mistakes that I made. And I, I mean, I spent well, you, you, in my worst case scenario, you, like you said, you did, you, it is a learning experience, expensive one, Yeah. but you know, even if you're breaking, even at this point with a little bit of inventory left, you're, you still can learn something, take something away from it mm-hmm. and, 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 and show it as an example to people who, who, who do want to learn how to do things like that. Like, exactly. Hey, I can show you what I did wrong. Yeah. Here's what, you know, here's how I can help you too. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, in life you have to go for it. Yeah. You know, if you have an idea that you're passionate about and you think it'll work, if it's not going to make you homeless, if it's not going to ruin your life, what do you have to lose? Yep. Okay. I have some t-shirts in my garage. I have some shorts and sweatshirts and stuff. They're all good quality. I have Christmas gifts for the rest of my life if I wanted to give them away. But the thing is, as a marketer, now I can leverage all that inventory as giveaways. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, you want to win a free t-shirt? If I wanted to, I could do a free plus shipping thing where I'm like, I'm giving everything away. Just pay shipping. And then charge $16, $18 shipping, make profit on everything and get rid of it. Well, right. people, people perceive that as free. And I'm not saying that I'm going to do that, but it's, it's an idea, mm-hmm. right? It's right. a way to get that stuff out the door. Make it a win-win situation and no the, matter what. Of course. And, mm-hmm. and, and the quality is there. Everybody who's bought, I've had pretty much all of my customers have come back and been return customers with that business. But now they're like, where's the guy of people are like, where is it? Where's the new stuff? Like, are you going to come out with a women's line and stuff like that? Like, no, <laughs> because but 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 you're but you're. I'm not gonna lie. Your brand was really dope. I appreciate when I it. saw it because I, I I saw it from the very very beginning. Yeah. When you first came out doing that, um, and then I saw you you were doing the vlogs and you were doing like you know that that stuff on yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, I forgot about um, that. I was I was I was looking I was looking forward to like the new stuff. I, I'll be honest. I was on your website and I was gonna get something, but yeah. I don't think I saw my size. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That that was. I think it only you only went up to extra large or two X maybe. In the At shorts, in the, in the, in the bottoms, like the shorts and joggers, yeah. I only went up to a certain size because when it gets to a certain size, scaling mm. becomes completely different. There a you cut go. for a smaller medium is not the same cut. Even if you make it bigger, you need to right. make it longer. You need to make the inseam. So longer. that's what the whole relaxed fit is. Yeah. Like that's what it does. Right. It's almost yeah. like, like getting a shoe. And even, even if you get a size 10, 10 and a half, 11, whatever. If it's not wide, yeah, you gotta get it won't fit e. your shoe, right? Okay. You got to get those E shoes. You got to get those E. Because D's sometimes aren't enough. You got to get those E's. <laughs> got to get those E's. Those E's. <laughs> uh, but that was a learning experience for me. I appreciate everything I learned and I appreciate all my customers. And I still have it. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've in fact, I, I have some buddies that are in the fitness space. that are like, yo, I want to help you with that. Like, just let me, I don't even need money. Just like, help me or let me build the brand back up yeah and i'll you know here's some free stuff rock it take that'd be really cool because the brand is really cool man the logo is really nice the website was clean like i appreciate yeah, it man I, I think i think you definitely even if it's not you and this goes back to the whole delegating position yeah. yep, delegating. if you can delegate it to somebody who can do something with yeah. it i feel like you should because that that i mean even even the intention behind why you created it mm-hmm. was pure man it was not a money grab it right. was something that you said inspired you from by something that happened with your friend yeah you know, it, the, the the intention is pure. It just maybe for your position and what you're doing in your life doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's time. Yeah, you exactly. Know, exactly. The Cell Music Masterclass, if I, I mean, basic math, if I'm charging $700 per head and I get 200 people, 300 people at a time, math. Yeah. You know, compared to two years of doing a t-shirt business for $35,000, $40,000. Right. So 
it really is where my passion lies versus where my time is spent. So if I'm getting more fulfillment, helping people build a career up and maybe I shift gears in a couple of years and I teach people how to do video marketing. Right. I teach people how to just be an overall creative. I teach, you know, start a YouTube channel. Like there's so many different ideas that I can be impactful with, with, with the education side. And I, I feel like I'm well-spoken enough and ironically enough, cause I was never good in high school. Um, but my skill set really garners being able to do educational content. And I feel like I can uh, really reach people that way. Right? right. Some people become successful because they're a the cool guy. Everything they do is cool. I want to be the guy that's just helpful, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So if I could be helpful in any niche, whether it be telling people how not to fail a t-shirt brand, right. telling people how to make music with or make money with their music, how to build a successful YouTube channel, that'll pay them. Even, you know, people underestimate the power of an extra $500 a month. If YouTube's paying you $500 a month, how would that change your life? Oh yeah. You know, would you, for some people, that's all it would take. That's all yeah. it would take. Yeah. yeah. Damn dude. That, that's, that's, I appreciate you sharing that story, man. That's yeah. uh that's really dope. And yeah. I think our viewers, our viewers, listeners are going to take a, a, away a lot from that. I don't know if you know, but one of our, uh, one of, one of the guys that we had on our podcast, Angelo, he actually, he, he knows oh. about you and I think yeah. he follows you and he's like, he's one of you. He's, he's a really big, yeah, big fan man. of yours. He's man. super talented too, man. Yeah, for sure, yeah. man. Really dope. Uh, one of the last questions I actually had for you was, cause I think we're kind of running low on time here uh how doing so much as as much as you do how do you balance your professional life and you know your work life and your your personal life sure so when you love what you do that is your personal life point blank okay when you love editing videos when you love being helpful to others when you love making music how is that not your personal life right Mm. my girl when i met my girl she knows i love making music she knows that i love doing marketing things right you know she knows that i love ripping apart product placements and TV shows and ripping apart all the, uh, the marketing. Like that's me. So you're, so you're from the train of thought that it, like if you're working is going to sound cheesy cause it's been overset. Yeah. But when, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your yeah. life. Right. I don't believe that at all. You don't believe that? No. Okay. Because work is different than loving what you do. But mm-hmm. when you love what you do, the work is a flow and it becomes part of your life. Like right. uh, for instance, if you like playing video games and you also like carpentry, well, if you're a carpenter by day and you have to go away from what you love to do video games, that's two separate passions. Right. That's that's a, that's a break from the reality of what you're doing professionally. When I'm making music and helping people marketing and that's my thing, that is my life. I don't have to step away from that. If I'm answering comments via email, if I'm answering DMs, that's not me at work. That's me living my life. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not sitting down and watching Netflix to escape that. Right. It's a part of it. Right. So when you can incorporate the flow, there's no work-life balance. When you can bring somebody into your life, whether it's your kids, whether it's a family member, whether it's your, your romantic situation, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, like whatever. Yeah. If they understand who you are, it's no different than you liking. I'm not saying you like, but let's say you do like video games. Mm-hmm. Let's say you do like going and playing collegiate baseball or like uh, not collegiate, but you know, uh, you have a, you have an amateur league around town that you go play kickball on the weekends. Like, mm-hmm that is part of your life. Right. Right. So the work life balance thing, I feel like is when work is so stressful and it feels like a job, you have to separate that and have a distraction somewhere else. Yeah. But if it's just part of your life, it is your life. Yep. Does I'm not trying to be all philosophical. No, that, that, that's that's though. deep, man. That, yeah. I've never thought about it that way, to be honest. I mean, um, I, I just meant it as more like a, cause like I, I, I love my family, Sure. but I feel like sometimes because of, of the amount of work that I, 
work but it's really my life yeah. right me doing photography me doing sure. videos and this and that. that's things that i love doing that's right, my right. passion that's what i love doing but they take away from the time that i spent with my personal family because they're not from that school of thought of yeah. like oh go 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 shoot your videos because you know well that's, that's a scheduling problem that's mm-hmm. a priorities and then that's an organizational problem mm-hmm. that's right. not a balance problem okay you know if you schedule for instance if you're really on your shit yeah and you wake up at seven o'clock every day do you have it scheduled that you're going to get up, take a shower and make breakfast? Or you just get that done eventually because you have an appointment at like 10. Mm-hmm. A, lo- a lot of people don't have it scheduled right. because they think normal daily tasks are a given. You have to do them. But if, if you don't, if you, you know, there's a, I think it's called the Polito's principle, something like that. Polito's might be a pizza place too. Something like that. <laughs> Sounds like but, a pizza place. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it is up in Wisconsin. But there's, there's a principle to where you will get a task done in the amount of time in which you allot to do that task. Right. So if I give something 15 minutes, hard 15 minutes, like, yeah, say I'm going to get, I'm going to be way more efficient and get it done in 15 minutes. That laser focus. Right. If I give myself an hour to answer emails rather than 15 minutes, I could probably get through more emails in 15 to 30 minutes than I would an hour because you're I more have, focused on it. Cause have, you could yeah. lollygag. Exactly. In between. Oh yeah. I'm going to answer emails between eight and nine AM. Well, I have until nine. Well, it's eight 30. I still have a few minutes. Mm hmm. But if everything's scheduled, for instance, if you want to go to the gym in the morning, so many people say, oh, I don't have time to work out. Well, you do. Yeah. You're just not making time to work out. Oh, yeah. 100%. If I wake up at seven o'clock and keep myself accountable to that, and then I go shower, and then I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to shower. And I'm not saying you have to have every five minutes scheduled, but let's say I get up at seven, showered, dressed by 7.30. Then from 7.30 to eight, I make breakfast, eat it. I can watch TV, whatever I want to do, because that's my breakfast time. Mm-hmm. And then at eight o'clock, I leave for the gym. I'm back by 8.45. At 8.45 to 9 o'clock, I'm not doing shit. From 9 o'clock till 9.30, I'm answering emails. From 9.30 to 9.45, not doing shit. Like, you can inject a whole bunch of not doing shit things yeah. to give people time to do things. Like, there's a whole bunch of times I'll be working on emails. I'll be working on curriculum. I'll be writing. And then I literally say, okay, from 6 o'clock till 8.30, I'm going to watch Netflix with my girl. I'm going to cook with her. We're going to go get some food. And she was kind of... That was new to her at first, but then she realized that I have to allot my time to things that are important to me and she's important to me, not the other way around. So many people will look at it like, oh, you got to schedule me in. I'm scheduling you in because you're fucking important to me. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, right. And so when you can do that and then step away and say, okay, Hey babe, this was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm glad that we got to spend time together. I'm going to go do some work and I'm going to be done by 11 o'clock because I'm going to make a hard stop for you and me. Right. So many times you float through not knowing what to do. Yeah. You're trying to figure out what to do. Sorry, I'm yep. getting away from the mic. No, it's, it's, you're trying to figure out what to do. And that's the problem. Schedule. That's what you need to do. And so that's how you work your family in. That's how you work. Now, granted, you can give yourself a whole day off. Yep. You could say Sundays, I don't work. Tuesdays, I don't work. Or afternoon on Wednesdays, I'm free to the world. That's when you do the spontaneous shit that you want to do. Right. That's when, you know, you know that your family's always over at your mom's house on Wednesdays. So you say, you know what? At three o'clock, I'm done. I'm going to go over to my mom's house the rest of the day. That's when you play with your nieces and nephews. That's when you catch up with your brother. Schedule phone calls. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much that you could fit in when you really tighten up. And I'm not saying life hack and you got to have everything. Like you don't need to be a robot. Right. But when you have structure, when you wake up and make your bed first thing, you accomplish something before you done brushing your teeth. Right. Like it's about that purpose. 
if you don't live a life of purpose, you're floating through life, kind of letting things happen to you. Yep. But when you know your purpose and you do things, I'm not mm-hmm. saying you have to do every little thing purposefully, but why did I post that on Instagram? What was the purpose of me posting that on Instagram? What was the purpose of me making a phone call to my brother? What was the purpose of me going to Walmart? Just makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. In the end. Be- sure. Because then not only do you have clarity, what do you ever go to a grocery store or something and say, what was, what did I come here for? Yep. All the time. That's life. <laughs> I mean, look at your life like that. What am I living here for? Yep. What, what am I waking up for? I feel like I, was like, I can't go on Twitter no more, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to tweet something like, why the why am I tweeting this? That's why, it. Why is this important? It's not. It's exactly. a distraction. Exactly. You know, we live in a society where the ADD monster, if if you let it control your life, you're, you're just going to be part of the cog. You're, the distraction is what keeps you away from progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any action, any execution leads to progress. So if you answer two emails a day, well, that's two more than you would have. Right. You know, if you get off of Facebook for an hour and you do anything productive, you clean your camera lens, you know, you record, you, you test some audio so that you're a little bit more efficient the next time you're going to record a podcast. Right. Like learning. Like, and that's another thing, like education junkies, knowledge junkies that go on YouTube and watch motivation and, and tutorials and then never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no different than buying a book and not reading it. Right. Buying a book gives you the serotonin and, and, and the dopamine release of accomplishing something without accomplishing anything. You have the book, you have all the knowledge there in that 200 pages or whatever it might be, but unless you read it and apply it, it's nothing. It's a book is fucking worthless unless you read it. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's the thing with the work-life balance is, uh, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. no, don't oh, be sorry. Dog. <laughs> the dog just walked in. Hey, this the show's just getting started. <laughs> no, that, that's uh, a, that's a dope just... answer, man. I, I really, uh, I, I really, I really like that answer. And I never thought, and I never thought to think about it that way. Um, but I mean, I, I guess, I guess that's one thing that I could personally work on too, is scheduling things a little bit better. So it doesn't seem like it's work. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And never, never make your family feel like they're a burden yeah. to your success. Right. Unless they're physically holding you back. Right. You know what I mean? Like if they're, if they're saying like, Oh, what you're doing is stupid. Yeah. You need to cut out toxic people, no matter if it's your own mother. Right. Unfortunately. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that because yeah. they went, Oh, I went to school with this guy. He's like a brother to me. Is mm-hmm. he right? Would a brother tell you that what you're doing is stupid. If it's not harming anybody, if it's trying to, if, if you're trying to use it as the Avenue, as the way out mm-hmm. of the, of the average life or, or the life that you're not, it doesn't, doesn't even need to be an average life. You can make a hundred thousand dollars a year and still be miserable. Take a job for 50 and be happier. Right. No, I 100% man. Uh, I feel like personally, I feel like my family is very supportive. Yeah. And I, I think Chuck, it's also said the same, uh, very supportive. But one of the reasons we, we ended up like getting this house together is because we could accomplish so much more when yeah. we, when we surround ourselves with people who are have like-minded goals, right? Bigger picture. Exactly. And yeah. plus when I see Chuck work, I'm like, damn, what am I doing? Like, am yeah. I really about to watch an hour of Netflix? Like, let me just do this instead, right, you right. know? So yeah, 100% man. That's it. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Man. I appreciate yeah, you having so me. Much, I think, I think we've got, I think we've hit the hour, either hour and a yeah. half or two hour, man. We're, uh, we're yeah. somewhere. We're we, at, uh, we could keep it going. Yeah, I like it. But, uh, uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, man. I mean, you could find me on YouTube, uh, just type in Adam Ivy or it's youtube.com slash Adam Ivy, Instagram, Adam Ivy, Twitter, Adam Ivy, Adam Ivy.com. That's A D A D A M I V Y. 
That's it. There you go. Nice. Sellmusic.com. Cool, man. Well, we're going to go ahead and put all your information down in the description down below for YouTube, for Instagram, for, uh, is it Instagram? Instagram, yeah. uh, Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, all that, all that good stuff. Oh, but, yeah, uh, I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys on the next morning dinner. Later, y'all. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry.